If you didn't know it until now, you are the Common Sense Nation. And this is Radio Free Almond. Good morning, you bunch of drunks. Good, 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 uh, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Good morning this morning. The only thing better than a good morning is a good morning this morning. Do you not agree, Ryan J. Cox? Do you not feel the vibe, the energy of the good morning, and also the energy of the this morning, and how good morning this morning is such an energetic duo? <laughs> Jamie, of course I do. I don't know. We're really just messing around. It's true. It's true. It's true. The crown has made it clear. The climate must be perfect. Oh, yeah. I'm Camelot. You sing Camelot with me? Okay. You'd have to know Camelot to sing Camelot. Oh, no, you don't have to know Camelot to sing Camelot. I do it all the time. All you have to do is just kind of repeat Camelot. Get on your head. I noticed something about the... I love this intro song, by the way, which all of you are well aware. But... But, 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 but. When I was... Just in the headphones were sitting on the table, and I hadn't had the headphones on. I noticed things in the theme that I wouldn't notice if I had the headphones on. Do you know that? Are you, are you feeling me here? You're talking about the the instrumentation in the background. Yeah. So when I had the headphones on the table, I was hearing. The very beginning, I was hearing the guitar riff in the beginning, which I didn't normally hear the lead guitar riff. And then I heard a whistle. So I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't know why. There must be. There's probably a musical genius out there who knows exactly how that sounds. But you know what? The theme music is not nearly as beautiful as the sound of the voice of the North Korean newscasters who just will be to the bone. Every morning I think to myself, why why am I not waking up to this every morning? 
This velvety voiced sex bomb news anchor. I just don't see how I could possibly have missed out on this. I have no idea. Oh, look at her talking about missiles. And... Oh, ouch! Like a, like a North Korean Hillary Clinton. She lo- she dresses like her, too. She's wearing some kind of outfit, this North Korean newscaster, as she's telling us about the potential. By the way, that's North Korean for this summit might not happen. Now, they, they take a long time to get around to their work. She's in a pink kimono type of thing, although they don't wear kimonos in North Korea. There's a very, there's not much of a difference between what is traditional North Korean garb and what looks like a prison suit. So, there's just a, I think it's just color, really. Yeah. Like, if you wear this color, you're crushing rocks with a pickaxe. And if you're wearing that color, you're a newscaster on North Korean television. And apparently now, like Mark Kaysen texted me yesterday. He's like, there goes the Nobel Peace Prize. Thank you for cheering against America. Get no case, joke. Drag Kaysen in here and give him a whooping over that whole thing. Yeah, so that's kind of what the bigger news is on the world stage is the potential collapse of this June 12th summit, mainly because apparently South Korea decided before all this, and I think the U.S. is involved as well, South Korea decided before all this to do some kind of military exercise called, you know, Thunder Monkey or something. It, it was kind of like, okay, do you guys really want to do this now after you've after you've made a possibility of having some kind of peace talk? Why are you having military exercises right now? My first thought when I saw it, I think they I think they called it like thunderous, yeah, you know, attack. What are you doing? Mode. And it's like, why are you doing that now? And I'm, again, it's not you. You don't have to be. I listen. There's there's a little bit of a game here, and we don't know whether that's the case or not. But where right before you have a meeting, you want to kind of show your strength. But there's a fine line between having the meeting and showing your strength, and maybe also kind of seemingly punking somebody out. So, like before a meeting, like President Trump actually does this a lot when he does the meetings on the Hill with people like with Schumer and stuff like that. He'll talk about lion Chuck Schumer better come up with something when we have this meeting. And of course, Schumer and those guys get their butts in a bundle and then they, 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 they don't want to cooperate anymore. And so, but there's a little bit of a tactic here. I just don't know how well it works with certain people. So sometimes before you actually have some, it's kind of like when the two prize fighters get together on that stage for the big promotion, you know, and they stand before each other and snarl and say terrible things to each other, and and that's the run-up to the boxing match. And maybe that's what this is, but I'm wondering if if it's as sensitive as it is whether or not I would play that much of a game beforehand. I'm not saying you got to tiptoe around and and beg Kim Jong-un for this and this and that, 
But believe me, if Kim Jong-un was like, I know what I'll do, I'll test a missile right before the meeting. They're kind of like, well, no, we don't want you to do that. Right. So there's a, I, I just, that, yeah, you and I were tracking on that one, as you say, in terms of how that came across. So we got that going for us. Jimmy Talent's going to be with us. So we also want to remind you of our, of our big happy hour, which is coming now tomorrow. And we put the events page up there on Facebook, and we are doing it right here at Gaslight. It's going to include a tour of the studio, and we're going to have it all set up the way we normally have it set up in the morning. And we're going to have some drinks. There are some specific drink specials that JB is working out with some folks just for you all who listen to Radio Free Almond. And it looks like we're going to have a crowd, so it's going to be good. We'll have Radio Free Almond gear available for everybody. And that's going to be right there. And so it's going to be fun. This is a nice, this is a great area, really easy to get to. Kings Highway off of Shaw, really off of 44 or 40 for that matter. And it's a beautiful place. The bar is really cool. It's a great little neighborhood. And it's right around the corner from Ragazzi's. So if you really wanted to, you could come here for your drinks and go to Ragazzi's for your dinner, whatever. They have food here, though, too. So And good food, by the way. What is that? Is that Cuban food over there, Matt? Or is it is it described I think as? It's just like tacos. Yeah, but but yeah. there's something they the, like the, some of the meat and the way they do things. It's uh. I call it street food. Oh, straight just street, street food. food. Okay, gotcha. It's like a Mexican themed street food. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, but it's really good. It's you great. like street tacos. food, don't you? I do. Well, no, I do, I like some street food. <laughs> like I don't like I don't pick up a wad of gum that I see on the street and chew it. So that's street food I do not like. Here's another street food I don't like. I was telling somebody about this last night. Uh, and this is about, this is called bulat. Oh, yeah. My Filipino friends introduced me to bulat. Bulat is something you sell on the street, but also a delicacy among many Filipino people. And Filipinos are hearty eaters, and they eat pretty much anything to to a certain degree like for instance oftentimes when i make fish i like to i like to grill whole fish same and uh, by snapper or something like that and nothing's mm-hmm. better than just a yeah throwing a big the the girls are a little iffy about the head sure when they see the when they see the surprise look on the fish that not only was it <laughs> caught and killed it was also now grilled so uh, the fish actually has more has of a, like. a look on its face, like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. I'm already dead. Now you're putting me on a grill. <laughs> and you're, grill- you're giving me the indignity. You're not even cutting me up. You're just leaving my head on for your little girls to stare at on the plate and reject me again. So anyway, uh, my friends, their daughters, they eat the eyes. Mm. I know what you're talking about. How's breakfast this morning, everybody? Good morning. Good, hey, listen, I, you know, I'm, I never said I was appetizing. I didn't say that. I, so, uh, yeah, I know they, what you're talking but about. They, but they eat, and, and they eat the eyes, and, yeah. it's, it's, and they, they like that, you know. And then, so Bulat is a – never forget this because I, I don't think I'd ever really willingly do it again, but maybe. But it's a duck egg, and it's kind of a half – it's kind of a – it's kind of a shortly developed duck, oh. and, and you got and and the best boulot is a duck egg, where the duck it's a duck embryo, and so 
the best bulat is when the duck embryo is just developed enough to where its bones crunch wrong. in your mouth. I'm not wrong. kidding you. This is really well. Wrong. You guys brought up street food. I didn't bring up bulat. Well, I know, but you taught you well. Here's embryonic the duck. You have to remember that that I have some kind of diversion to pretty much everything you bring up. <laughs> I forget that. So I, so I can I'll, use street food automatically. I'm thinking, oh, they're selling bulata. And then I have a story about bulata. So be careful when you do that. I've lived a long, weird life, everybody. No, but, but so the bulat is there, and that is, uh, and, and, and by, once again, my Filipino friends, their daughters love it. Mm-hmm. They're like 10, and they're mm-hmm. eating this duck. And I did it, too. And then my buddy calls me, Chris Hispanic calls me the next day. And it was for my birthday, by the way. He calls me the next day. He goes, hey, you still thinking about that bulat? I go, yes, I am. <laughs> It's still sitting in my stomach. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be able to digest a bulat. <laughs> well, and apparently it's not... Well, I don't, I've never heard of a, of a death by bulat. <laughs> so I'm just telling you, it does, apparently isn't something that, uh, that is causing a great deal of health problems there in the Philippines. I love watching this thing. Things are turning on Kim Gardner fast, dude. Did you see this? Where now yeah. the... Police have opened up an investigation into the private investigator in the case and also into Kim Gardner over alleged perjury, everything else. I remember a long, long time ago when this whole thing started and I was back on the dinosaur radio and I said to people, I said, I'm telling you, Ed Dowd and these guys Kim Gardner is no match for these guys. They're going to they're gonna outsmart her every step of the way. They're going to outwit her every step of the way. They're going to not let her get away with anything. And, and you know, Ryan, yesterday I mentioned that after Eric Greitens gave his speech out there on the front of the uh, courthouse, Wow, the I, I never did see an aerial view of his speech that we, we were wondering what, yeah, what like, was going on there. I, were they like expecting rioting or something? Like all the Stockley verdict people were going to come out again? Remember those guys? Remember when? Oh yeah. Remember they all came back out when the Bennett's, uh, Dowd Bennett, and the, and, and the yeah. law law firm criticized Kim Gardner. They came out like it was some kind of civil rights violation that you dared criticize a corrupt, inept circuit attorney because she happened to be black. So they were all teaming out oh, into the square again. Oh, they the fire. Oh, it was unbelievable. But I said yesterday after, in the morning, and you guys remember this, I said, the only way this is going to work is if these guys do not let her off the hook. The only way this is going to work if they, is, is if they continue to clamp down on her ankle and just make her drag them around like a dog biting on her heels. That's the way it's going to it's the only way it's going to be. So, of course, they took my advice. And it's free advice here at Radio Free Almond. And they went ahead and no no. They 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 were going to do this themselves, I have a feeling. So, they go ahead and they tell the police, "Listen, we think she perjured herself." And then Bozo, the private investigator, Decides he's going to say that he didn't take notes, and that was the that was the notorious uh, discussion regarding the note taking. It's like, dude, uh, 
you didn't take you're a you're a separately hired investigator. Why would you not take notes? And then apparently they said the camera didn't work or whatever else. Well, now it turns out that actually the camera indeed did work, and the camera caught the private investigator taking the notes he was claiming he was didn't take which kind of puts you in a bad situation especially when under oath you are saying you didn't take notes and i'm watching you on a video camera taking notes that tends to create a little bit of a problem for you so there's a really good chance and this will be lovely whether or not these people will ever wind up in jail is one thing but they eventually might just wind up out of commission for actually committing a crime while in the process of trying to unseat a governor for a trumped-up crime. And this whole thing is just stinking to high heaven. Now it turns out that the woman at the center of all this thing, who, by the way, I said yesterday, nobody really cares about no one. Stacey Newman doesn't care about her. Her ex-husband doesn't care about her. None of the people who are, Kim Gardner doesn't care about her. So it turns out that she is the hairdresser, apparently, for the Newman family. That's how Stacey Newman wound up reaching her and knowing her, because she's the hairdresser for the Newman family. And because Stacey Newman was on her page, people, again, forget that you, this stuff stays there. But she said, oh, today... We're having the family hairdresser on the house floor uh, because it was, I guess it was related to kind of some kind of Me Too or harassment okay. or some, something okay. like that. And so that's, she was bragging about how, how this woman, has she been really identified yet? I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to be careful because I agree. I, I, have, I have sympathy for her yep. because I do believe that she underwent a certain level of abuse. Not at the hands of Eric Greitens, but the hands of all the other people who wanted to use her. And it's not necessary for me to mention her name or talk about her in that in that fashion. But it does appear that she was led around by the nose by Stacey Newman on the floor of the of the house and all this kind of stuff. So there are pictures of them on the floor of the house. And indeed, even a Facebook message or a tweet that went out where she announced that her hairdresser was was going to be with her. A lot of people have asked, hey, share the picture of her, you know, put her up. And, and I know you've made a conscious decision that it's not necessary because she is not the story. Yeah, I, I wish, you know, initially it was that she didn't want to come forward, that she was reluctant to come right. forward and didn't want to have anything to do with this. And suddenly... She did. So I'm trying to figure out like how that happened. Because I remember when the f- story first came out and the tapes were being bandied about and Channel 4 was doing them and all that kind of stuff, I thought for a time there that th- she didn't want to have anything to do with this and how suddenly it turned into her wanting everything to do with this. That was kind of weird to me. I don't know how that happened. Right. I'm not making any insinuations about how it happened. But I am saying that indeed it did happen. So, got a new phone. We are all thankful for that. I can't believe I can't believe how long my phone lasted with half of it 
ha- the half of the top of it being off. Multiple reasons. I can't believe you were able to stand a phone for that long. If you guys saw this phone, it looks like it had been through a, a, a North Korean prison camp. I mean, it's so bad. Well, like you smuggled this phone in somehow. Here, she's going to announce about my phone. Are you the one who mentioned North Korean prison camp? Not me. She's back. You conjured her back. Ryan! Ryan! See, wouldn't it be funny if every time you mentioned North Korea, she came on? And we're all like, don't say North Korea. North Korea, no! Does she Okay, lady, I won't leave my socks on the floor anymore. All right, lady, I'll take out the trash. Leave me alone. Okay, I'll fix the faucet. I'm sorry, I just haven't had time. <laughs> that may be the whine. She may be the whiny voice of North Korea. She could be the Martha of North Korea. Stop talking about her because she keeps on coming back every time you do that. Okay, see, finally she's still shh, quiet. Shh, don't say it. Don't say it. North Korean news broadcaster. No! No! <laughs> oh, Lord. So, did you see that ABC News, ABC now is deciding that they're going to dial back the political humor from Roseanne? I just saw it. They're going to they're deciding to tone that down now. They're moving to family values. Right, now. right. And we we don't really want and I don't know I haven't tracked their ratings. But but listen, ABC they has been good. known to kill off good shows. Oh yeah. What was the one with Tim Allen? What was that called again? Oh, family um, people or life with family or Yeah, cuz he he kind of played a conservative role yeah. uh in that show. Yes. Yeah. And then and then it was like a top-rated show <laughs> and they killed the thing off. And so I, so they're they're known to make decisions that sometimes will uh yeah, will will bite them eventually. Are we sure that Intercom doesn't run ABC? (laughs) They were like, ratings are great. They're like, cancel it. Yeah, right. Get it done. Get it off. Well, it's because they can. Because here's the thing. That's the one thing. Last man standing. Last man standing. Okay. Uh, That's that's the thing about conservatives. And, And oftentimes that's confused with us maybe not standing up for ourselves or what have you. But we are generally not people... We will. We have power, as you have seen with the resurgence and the emergence of Radio Free Almonds. So when we want to do something and get something together and push something and create something and make something happen, we do it. We don't tend to be protesters, and we don't tend to be boycotters. We don't tend to be people who write a lot of letters and that kind of thing. What we do is we just take action that battles that side, and we take it without really talking about it. Like, for instance, so when, and I'm not, again, believe me, I'm not going to go into my whole situation, but, I'll just, but because it's a good example of, okay, so you've decided to attempt on a number of different levels to 
put a pillow over the face of the almond brand. Well, I'm going to grab your wrist. I'm going to break them. The pillow is going to come <laughs> off my face, and I'm going to keep talking, but it's going to be somewhere else. I didn't complain about the pillow over my face. Right. I didn't I didn't bother with you too much. I just simply went somewhere else and did what you wanted to keep me from doing. And that's that's kind of the way of our particular culture, our vibe is that we're not going to sit around and bitch about stuff all day. We're going to actually do something. That's why, you know, with the exception of a few things we've done, like in the past, the Tea Party was very active and held rallies and that right. kind of thing. And we could rally with the best of them, and that's that's fine. But what we tend to do is just take positive action as opposed to take negative action. So we are not – unfortunately, sometimes that bites us. So when 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 Last Man Standing went away – we didn't call for the firing of the head of ABC or right. the this or the that. We tended to just kind of like, okay, well, then I'll just watch more Duck Dynasty, I guess. Or yeah. I'll go over here and do this. Or I'll read. Or, you know, whatever it is. You just is. We're just not a bunch of – we're not a bunch of snowflakes necessarily. We're going to go – and 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 do tweet bombing and all this kind of it, stuff. It is actually more powerful, though. What you're talking about and what conservatives do is more power because we typically vote with our pocketbooks, right? And 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 so by leaving a channel or not supporting, you don't have to boycott it. That's almost it, it does very little compared to just shifting over. That's ad revenue loss. That that actually. Her, that is what matters. Well, and you know what's interesting, too, now that you mentioned that, Ryan, is when it comes to uh, the power of our money. Yeah. Because we all work very hard, and we all tend to make good money, and we do this, kind of do that. So what we do is, instead of denying people our money, we reward the good people yeah. with our money. And that's why, for instance, with the old show on the old radio station – I was so successful with the people who advertised on my show because all the people who listened to the show rewarded these people because they heard their name coming out of my mouth. Yes. And they were appreciative of the fact that 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 these people supported the show and they rewarded them with their business. And that's why these people had so much success when my voice was basically calling out their name. Yeah. And that's what we do. We tend to, and that's another example of positive action, where we, instead of running around and and crabbing at people and saying, we're not going to buy you anymore, which isn't a bad thing, by the way, uh, we just simply say, okay, we'll just take our money over here and yeah. we'll let them feel our love for a little while. That's what we do. But again, sometimes it can be a double-edged sword. So then you have ABC doing this about Roseanne. And ABC, and these people always miscalculate, and that's to their peril. That's fine. ABC knows they can do this because they know that people probably won't complain. That because we've come to expect that... Conservatives are, are going to be yeah, silenced. Yeah, right. Yeah. Which is why you see so many different great shows popping up that are that are in indicators of conservatism or, or, or reflections of a certain level, certain level of cultural life that we appreciate, but they're popping up on other cable channels, everything else. So that's, yeah. that's where that's at. I got a chance to learn more about this movie, by the way, speaking of some movies, have you, I've talked to you about this before 
And have you followed up on my advice to go and You're see a quiet the, place? I saw the preview because you said see the. I mean, it's like playing at the movie theater. So I haven't had a chance to. Yes, like, yes. You know, actually sit in a movie theater. You have to go to a movie theater. <laughs> But I did and, see the and preview. Nowadays, like I can't figure out whether I like the <laughs> old movie theater better than the new movie theater, because the new ones. Oh, you're like reclining. All of these reclining, yeah. and some even have like ketchup bottles in next to them. It's too much for you. It's like I don't know about that, but some <laughs> of them are pretty good. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I don't need to have like ketchup and mustard in in the I middle don't of want my. Ketchup and mustard <laughs> that's been sitting in a right. I mean, I just it just doesn't seem like seem right. But but some people, but but you know what? The pe- movie theaters have adjusted to a generation yeah. of people who really have been raised watching movies in their living room, and so what happens is people tend to say, "Well, I'm just going to watch it in my living room instead of watching it in the theater where yeah. I'm kind of in this." in this seating where I'm my, my back is up and everything else. And so what the movie theater said is, I know what we'll do. Why don't we just make living rooms? Yeah, which is what they did. And, and that's what they did by putting people, allowing people to do that. But some of them have gone a little too far. <laughs> but I've got to see this whole movie because the uh, Quiet Place apparently – People, by the way, are obsessed with this movie. I mean, the trailer looked intense. Right. But they are obsessed with this movie from the standpoint of it being, on so many levels, such a almost an unusual horror movie for what it is. And if you've seen The Quiet Place, do, can, we, can we have a call, call number or, if you, yeah. or, or chime in on Facebook if you've yeah, seen it? Yeah, chime in on but, Facebook. But I encourage you, because some people might think, well, this is a... This is a horror movie, and I don't really go see horror movies, and I actually don't either. Don't, I'm not, yeah. not going to go and see Nightmare on Elm no, Street. I'm just, I'm just not interested in watching people hack to death <laughs> while they're camping, I just, just, or, or sleeping, or that, that kind of stuff. I mean, I could see that on the news. But this movie is apparently, if you're, if you're a conservative and you are tired of certain reflections of certain attitudes in certain movies, you will, I guarantee you, in between these things eating people and sucking their guts out of their whatever, because you don't really see, you don't see a whole lot of it, but the, but the, but the, but there's a lot of allegorical elements to this. It, many people consider it a pro-life movie with pro-life themes in it. That's coming out of Hollywood. Can I just preface that Jamie calls me at like 8.30 at night the other night, and he goes, Ryan, he goes, there's a movie, and he's describing this movie, and he's like, and he somehow (laughs) correlated the movie to my life. (laughs) So now that you've prefaced all of this, you're like, you and Kelly would love this movie. It's kind of like stuff in your life. I'm like, and then I watched the preview of it. Well, be, here, here's here's the reason. It's it's <laughs> well because don't you all have monsters that come out every time you make a noise <laughs> in your life, in your house? No, because because these people are living a very clean, yeah. religious, agrarian life. Now I'm not saying you guys are a bunch of you know. Well, you know, a bunch of uh, Amish people. Puritans. Well, what I'm saying is they, they, but they, but the, they're, they're living on a farm, and 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 they're the last people on earth, really. 
because these there are these monsters out there who only come out and attack you when you make a noise. I am not kidding you. And at first I was like, well, that's pretty crabby of them. What, what, why are they so uptight that you can't make a noise? But it's a little different than that because what it really what it, it, the, the whole theme of the movie is really more about uh, uh, about this family, and so the monsters are really kind of just a ancillary part of the movie itself. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. most horror movies are, are more. I, I think this was more like a Hitchcock movie okay. than it would be like a Nightmare People on. People are Elm saying Street. that on the comments. Yeah. Too. yeah. Oh, are they? Okay. Yeah, they say it's not necessarily a horror. Uh, yeah, a horror right. movie. It's it's in the horror genre for right. some reason. But the movie is so much deeper than that. In fact, I would really encourage you. To, I wouldn't go and see it with your ten-year-old, but I would encourage you to see see the movie because you'll appreciate. So here here's the greatest part about this movie and why. Actually, I I, I really appreciate this 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 whole theme. The guy who directed it is John Krasnicki, right? Is okay. it name yeah. He was in The Office, I okay. think. Okay, okay. Uh, and then his oh, wife is yeah. Emily Blunt, or something, okay. or name, but they're a real married couple. So anyway, the here imagine this. So so that there the, these monsters respond only to sound. So you break something, suddenly it's like <laughs> coming out of nowhere, you know, and it's terrifying because because all you're doing is going, please don't make a noise, you know, and they're stepping on nails and breaking lanterns and it's just kind of crazy. And the the woman, though, about about a little way through the movie after their youngest one is taken out by one of these monsters because he had a. A, a, he put batteries in this rocket thing, and they were walking to their farm. And I, and I don't. Oh, I, wait. I'm sorry. I'm giving the. You're, I'm a spoiler alert. Yeah, you're spoiling. Well, okay. Well, oh, let me just give you this. I, I, I forgot. Yes, I'm, I'm giving things away in the movie. I should, but let me just tell you this. Imagine people who are in this environment, knowing that if you make a noise, a monster is going to come out of nowhere and kill you. Imagine. <laughs> What happens when suddenly you are pregnant? Okay. I see where this is because, going. Because then what happens is you know what's going to happen is okay. you're going to have a baby. And that baby's going to cry. And the, the minute it's born. And the birth. And the birth. I, yes. Because you have – well, again – that's why. That's I why. I get it. I see. That's it. why because because they also do natural home birth as right. well, and so, but imagine that, and imagine the choice that this family, this woman, and this couple made to not only actually I don't know whether they consciously got pregnant or not, but they did. Either way, and imagine the choice that you have to make in terms of well, if I have this baby. And the baby cries, we're all going to be dead. But I'm going to have this baby. I mean, that, that's, I mean, what, yeah. what more kind of pro-life pro, message yeah. is that when you, when you are, have constantly said, I am choosing life even though it might actually imperil me and us. Or, yeah, and, be an inconvenience or. Or, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that message is very powerful, uh, powerful. 
in a lot of ways. And it's and people have taken notice of that and and notice of that whole vibe with this with this particular movie. Now the downside, if that was real life, my wife and us. We'd have been wiped out by these monsters because I've I've <laughs> been there. And the noise that was coming from Kelly while she was doing this natural home birth was so piercing. My children, the other kids, because she wanted the other kids to be a part of it yeah. and like watch. Yeah. They all started crying. Oh yeah. From just hearing. The screams. Oh, you would have, you would have, you would have, ten, oh. you would have had ten of these monsters. Our in your whole house. family would have been obliterated. They, they wouldn't have had to eat for uh, <laughs> years. <laughs> okay. uh, hey guys, uh, the Jaycox family's having a having a barbecue. <laughs> it's a brunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's the it's the Jaycox family buffet. <laughs> yeah. You take the five, I'll take the ten. You take the baby, I'll take the dad. I'll you take the mom, and then all oh, yeah. Now imagine though how horrible it would be to be in in North Korea and have. You'd have to turn your TV down. You'd have to put that clicker on fast. People are like, heck no for natural home birth. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> yeah. We're wild. Though. Well, it's kind of like to, well, it's kind of like the uh, the moms were like, you know, I think I'm not going to do the epidural. And then like 10 minutes out. They're like, what? <laughs> don't you ever touch me again. <laughs> But see, you don't have that option. Like Kelly didn't have that option. No. So like, I mean, it's 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 pretty it's pretty amazing. I mean, you know what? Listen, I think if you can do it and you're comfortable with yeah. it, and that's the thing, great. Some people are like, you know what? Squirt me with this. Yeah. And I'm not gonna scream. And I want this baby. And this is how it's gonna be. Hey, listen, you're the moms having Amen. a baby. I'm I'm more power to you because heaven forbid, you all know why God chose the. Women to have the babies, not the guys, because all the guys would do is bitch all nine months. Jamie, we'd have had an epidural after six oh, months yeah. of pregnancy. We'd have been like, when does the epidural? Yeah, come? we get a cold. We're like, <laughs> I had to blow my nose. It's so true. Plus, we'd probably eat them, or you know. Or use them for second base, you know, or put, put them over there while we're playing poker. I mean, God just didn't trust us to have babies. Not at all. He's like, you? Oh, really? You? You kidding me? No. I'm going to give it to her. We're not cut out. Because they can, they, can, they can do it. So, yeah, anyway. <laughs> She's going to make a recurring appearance. So to my point, too, about it. But anyway, see that movie. And, I'm going to. And you know what? Right after our national anthem, I'm going to play you another part of this movie, which is pretty cool, is the use of a Neil Young song called Harvest Moon. And people who are into this movie are obsessed with this song, too. You know why? Because apparently it's a hugely expensive song to get the rights to. So... John Kresnicki, I hope that's his first name. Okay. He he was so hell-bent on making sure this song was in his movie that he almost paid as much for this song as he did to pay for half of the movie. 
That's how much because Neil Young, when you if you're gonna get the rights to this thing, he makes you pay a lot of money for this song. I didn't know Neil Young fetched a high price for his music. Well, he does. I, yeah, you you kind of have to. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Harvest Moon is a is a great song. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm a Neil Young fan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he unless until Neil Young's problem is he he goes in concert and he has all these great songs. And like for instance, during the Bush years, he'd go up there and he had, here's my song about how much I hate George Bush. George Bush, I hate you. And people would like walk out. You know, it's like, dude, all this great material you have, and you and you want us to listen to Neil Young singing about how much he hates it's George the Bush. Shut up and sing. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. So right after, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We've got a lot going on. One of the stories, you know, Fallon, I wanted to talk to you about when it comes to these mobs and these people out there. They're chasing after this one guy who's a member of the school board who said, you know what, this book we're having our kids read, this social justice book, why are we having five-year-olds and six-year-olds learning about this kind of stuff right now? Do you think they're equipped to be able to handle all this kind of stuff? And some people say, well, there's no better time than when you're young and blah, blah, blah. But now he, they're trying to chase him out of Dodge and, and remove him instead of debate him, which is now the way of the world is if somebody says something you don't like, it's time for them to be fired or run out or, or resign or what have you. That's, that's happening in the uh, you know, Fallon, Illinois. And also we have the follow-up to the ABC News and NBC reporting on what happened yesterday in the Middle East with Hamas and Israel. Did you, by the way, Ryan, do the homework I asked everybody to do, which was pay attention to the video and the pictures? Because did you see the people being carried on stretchers into ambulances completely uninjured? And then when you mentioned it, I recalled all the previous things, and it is the exact same imagery. There's always a... You know, yeah. it's got like the. They always have like six ambulances <laughs> yes. right around the. Just happen to be right next to the protesters, and summarily, like the Keystone cops, except more choreographed, they're carrying people on stretchers into these into these ambulances, and it's completely faked most of it. Yeah. Uh, now, there's no doubt that the Israelis are fighting back, but you know what? When you have kites that have incendiary devices on them, yeah. and are trying to blow people up, you're going to get shot. That's just the way it all goes. But half of this stuff is fake. And it's called Pallywood? Pallywood. P-A-L-L-Y-W-O-O-D. So like Hollywood, Bollywood, Pallywood is where you're going to see how the Mooj basically fake a lot of what you're seeing on TV. And the news media, who hates Israel, is more than happy to go ahead and regurgitate the fakery. So check that out. We'll follow up on that. Also, we've got a fun little thing to do because um, some of the reporting is one of the guys who throws a gas mask on, and it reminded me of the world-famous Charles Jaco CNN gas mask fiasco that must be played over and over again. Also, by the way, speaking of pro-life, Ryan, what happens when you're a pro-life Democrat Mm -hmm. and you're interviewed by the liberal media? We have an example of what happens there as well, and also... The reaction to the Supreme Court saying, you know what, online sports betting's okay with us, knock yourselves out, which I think is a great decision, by the way. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, our national anthem. Oh, sorry to catch you by surprise. (laughs) Sorry. Say, can you see 
시험을 성공적으로 단행하였다. 이번 순서탄 시험은 대륙간 탄도로켓 전투부에 장착할 Even Neil Young won't shut her up. She just keeps going. 소소한 제작에 한 위료 조정 기술과 내부 구조 설계 방안의 정확성과 믿음성을 검토 확증하기 위하여 진행되었다. Now it's a harmonica lady. Nothing suits you at all. I mean, you just kind of. It's a rocket, by the way. 대륙간탄도로켓탄착용수소탄시험에서의완전성공을위해 They love Neil Young in North Korea. <laughs> Neil Young and North Korea go together like birds in a feather. So we have this um, turning story from the Middle East, and it is really amazing how the news media has just. Absolutely, without shame, taking the side of the representative was about to speak of, of of the Hamas and the basically the terrorists over there. And Israel to the news media is a criminal, no matter what it representative was does. about. West so Ambassador Nikki this. Haley. By the way, David Muir, I still don't get. Have you seen how he sits on that Palestinian desk? Our chief foreign what, correspondent, what Terry Moran. What is he doing right there? He's holding on to the news desk like it's moving around, like it's swirling around, like he's got to hold on to it so that he, to keep his balance. What's he doing? <laughs> my my dad would have smacked my hands down for that. That's why I that's why I can't watch the news. I, one of the reasons because all I do is scream about stuff like that. I don't even hear it. You know, wait, that's fake. What? Why are you? Why is your arm like that? You. So anyway, listen to these two reports that you are going to hear. And these are from ABC. Then the other one is NBC. And essentially what they're doing is, is, is one of the reports is insinuating that Ivanka came, annoyed everybody, inflamed passions, then left while everybody else was killed in her wake. I mean, that's the kind of story that you're getting from ABC Then the other one was this guy, I think it was David Engel or Richard Engel or whatever it was, who wound up like 
throwing a gas mask on mid stand up. It this was just so crazy. Here, I'll play. <sighs> Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner bidding Israel farewell today after opening the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem fanfare and fireworks. But then, everybody was killed by the Jews. Their work now behind them. They also left behind this. Okay. And this, this of course, now you're seeing the fake ambulance Pallywood stuff. So what they left behind was this. It's like as if somehow... They're to blame for what happened after they left. Or, the, or somehow Ivanka and Jared should have just stuck around to watch what happened as opposed to jetting back, oh, home. But they're acting as if somehow this was all related to them leaving and that they just left a mess and this and this and this. When, when all they did was come over and open up a new embassy in Jerusalem for crying out. More clashes throughout Gaza and the West Bank. These protests are not letting up among Palestinians. There is This is the Richard Engel bit. This is where he's doing his stand-up. And and keep in mind when you do stand-ups they're not live. So well you're just you're, they're recording this thing, right? Okay. So so keep in mind he's about to there's about to, there's gas coming around. And he's about to put his gas mask on. No conviction that President Trump is an arbiter for the peace process. As far as they're concerned, the peace process is over. And without hope for a negotiation. I mean, basically what they're doing is these guys, it's such, I mean, listen, when, you, when there's tear gas, I don't blame you for putting a gas mask on. I get it. But this idea that you somehow have immersed yourself in these troublemakers, all wearing, by the way, it looks like they're wearing like polo shirts and and I guess uh, Metallica T-shirts they got somewhere from somewhere. By the way, do you know? Uh oh, now. Oh, here this. we go. Oh, here we go. Okay, just real quickly, and I'll get. I promise I'll get back on track here. You know how like you've seen things in Africa or third world countries where. People are like being hacked to death, but some guy's wearing like a Britney Spears t-shirt. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like or blondes have more fun. Yeah, yeah. Or or or, or they're or they're um, <laughs> riding around on jeeps with you know AK-47s, but they're wearing Pepsi shirts. Yes. Like, well, how did that? Where did you get that from? Well, I can tell you where I get because I did a whole story about this, and there is a. What happens is there are people who who buy, like for instance, it's not really Goodwill that does this, although I think there was some insinuation somehow they did. But but when you throw, when you get rid of clothing, there are organizations out there who sell the clothing to these guys who are bundlers, and what they do is they bundle the clothing in, like for instance, you're like you're getting rid of all your. Britney Spears or yeah, Pepsi my, teachers, yeah. whatever. And what happens is they put them in in big, gigantic bales. Like, they're, they're square bales of clothing that they wind up selling to villages in third world countries at these, at these unbelievable prices. So a lot of, like, you think, sometimes you think you're donating clothes. Yeah. There are some organizations out there that all they're doing is turning around and selling those clothes to people who are kind of bailers or bundlers who sell those clothes to third world countries. That's how the dude winds up with a Britney Spears shirt while he's putting a burning tire around somebody's neck in Kenya. 
That is actually a really good. Fa- I did not. Yeah. I always wondered. Yeah. I figured people like brought him over and and like I no. I they, painted they... a rosier picture. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. I'm glad you did yeah. that because I mean, who we all like rosy pictures, but but that's what they do. So that's and and oftentimes these people, unfortunately, these village people, these villagers, are spending a month's worth of pay on clothes that you donated. Wow, that's like a racket. Again, and I'm not saying that, I'm not accusing any one group of doing that. I'm not saying that's what happens to Goodwill, but there are organizations that are collecting clothes and they're selling them to these guys who bundle them and then sell them to third world countries. Who who would have known that you're... You know, 18-year-old Garth Brooks shirt. Yeah, (laughs) being worn by some guy (laughs) raiding a church. Yeah, but that's that's what happens anyway. So that's why you see these people wearing T-shirts that maybe you recognize. Why is that guy overturning that Israeli tank wearing a Metallica T-shirt? Where That's he where that, that came from. But they all, they, they all, you know, all these guys. You know what these guys all look like? They all look like the people you saw in Washington D.C. post mm. inauguration. I mean, it's the same. You're wearing their their dumb backpacks and doing all that kind of stuff. But that's what they're doing anyway. So the news media is immersing itself in this crowd, and and actually basically. Becoming their propaganda vehicle, it fuels it. Yeah, I mean, it, it not only yeah, it fuels it, and then it, and and what the what the people do, the Pallywood people do, is then they perform uh, for the news media. So that's why you get the highly choreographed, perfectly staged four ambulances for every thirty protesters, and then people remarkably being carried in stretchers with seemingly no injuries at all. Sometimes they'll they'll go all out and use like a 12-year-old boy. That's even that's that's the quintessential picture yeah. of and and they might like put a bandage on him or something like that and then they'll haul him into the ambulance. It's almost <laughs> like the movie Wag the Dog. Have you seen that yeah. short of that? It's like yeah. here we're going to make a fake war, yeah. you know? I mean, we're going to stage this entire the girl running with a calico kitten, <laughs> you know? And I'm not and I'm not saying that every all of this is fake uh, because there are some people getting hurt there. I understand that. But again, Mark my, I'm I'm looking at a picture right now where where I'm looking at it it's on Breitbart and the headline is Washington Post uncritically spreads Hamas casualty numbers, paints border assaults as demonstrations. So, and by the way, these, I told you yesterday that the numbers we're getting of the casualties are coming from Hamas. They're not coming from any kind of independent Amnesty International, American Red Cross, whatever. And one of the pictures I'm looking at, are you on the same page there, Ryan? I'm on, the, uh, well, right. you might not see it, but but here, come here and look at this real yeah. quickly, I'll, just for your, just so you just okay, see it. Yeah. All right, so so you have a group of adult grown men, right? Yes. And and they are carrying a stretcher that has what looks like a, what an eleven year old boy on there. Eleven. So so how is it that of all the people in this area here, it's it's just suddenly it's just an eleven year old boy being carried in the stretcher? That to me is a fake propagandist picture that's done by the people who do Pallywood. All you have to do is look up Pallywood on the inter- internets. Do we know what that symbol is? That's that's a um that's from that's from Hamas. Those are that's a Hamas. Yeah, okay. that's that, well 
I think what they're doing is they're trying to make it look like this is the international That's, symbol of ambulance men. That, it's like, no. Yeah, it looks official. <clears throat> I don't think it is, but yeah. But yeah, look up Hollywood. You'll see, you'll see how it all, all, all works. So the Breitbart exposes the Washington Post article that basically talks about the Hamas-organized Gaza riots. And it, they pretty much said it typifies the biased nature of much of the news media's coverage of the Hamas campaign. You will never look, hopefully after listening to my show and our show, you'll never look at the news and the pictures the same way again. When you see, for instance, a teddy bear among the rubble, a photographer put that there. That just didn't, like, happen, all right? When you're, when you're seeing pictures of people being choreographed, and, and what happens is, what, what's great is the television news cameras do, they, don't, they, they do the, the sweep. So, so, so they'll follow one stretcher going into an ambulance, then they'll go back and follow another ambulance. And it, it, it's like, it's, comp- and, they, and they, it's not that they maybe know it's fake. They just don't know it's not fake. But my point is, they don't care. And this is the American media that also does this? International and media, American anybody. media. Oh, yeah. Well, look at, listen to this. The, the, the Washington Post mm. said in the, in, its, in, the, in the headline of its article, Israelis kill more than 50 Palestinians in Gaza protests, health officials say. Health officials. And, and, and now, if you're not reading carefully... You don't know what that is. And, of course, the Washington Post, which is, even though it's a, it's a big newspaper, is as much of a hack as the St. Louis Post-Dispatch in terms of what they do in their Orwellian fashion to gloss over things. We talked to you about how they now call it uh, gun safety legislation, not gun control legislation. These guys, I'm telling you, they are so corrupt. So anyway, all right. So when you see a headline, and, and most of us who don't know any better will read a headline that, that and go, oh, gosh, did you see the Israelis killed 50 Palestinians in Gaza yeah. protests? But if you ask more, like, and, and it, like the person in your, at your water cooler who's the left-wing lunatic. The Mark who, Kaysen who, who of throw, your who office. You see, <laughs> I, I see your friends, the Israelis, killed 51 Palestinians. It's like, according to who? Health officials. <laughs> Because <laughs> that's what, but once you ask them, like, who, where'd you get that information? The Washington Post, yeah. who they quote, health officials. <laughs> and if you really want to have fun, if you really want to, if you it's really great. have, if you want to waste some company time, go, so what are health officials? Well, they're health people who are officials when it comes to health. What are you talking about? You're just in denial. Yeah, they'll they'll just quote some arbitrary the UN. You're delusional. What do you <laughs> think the Washington Post is lying? Yeah, that's exactly what you'd hear him say. You Trumpsters are all the same. Yeah. But anyway, the health officials are <laughs> further described in the article as local health officials. Okay. And I yeah. imagine not on the Israeli side. Then later on, the article cites the Palestinian Health Ministry. In Gaza, as reporting that more than 2,700 people were injured, including 1,359, 1,359 from live ammunition. And they also point out the dead included six children under the age of 18, among them a 15-year-old girl and a medic, the ministry said. The newspaper failed to tell everybody, this is now I'm taking this from Breitbart, 
failed to tell readers that the Palestinian health ministry in Gaza is controlled by Hamas, the ones that organized the riots, and, and, and certainly has a vested interest in telling you how horrible the Israelis are. So the Palestinian health ministry is run by the very terrorist organization that devised the demonstrations. So what else do you think? What else do you think they're going uh, yeah. to say? Then it says the third paragraph of the article portrays the protests as attended by many who came to protest peacefully. You've heard that before, right? Yeah. They were just peaceful protesters. Yeah, they came out and they were peaceful. Yeah. It, 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 it's always what began as a peaceful <laughs> protest, and usually they infer that it was uh, it was flamed or fueled by a, an authority figure. Right, right. Either the police or the military fueled it, and it just caused them to go out of control. They really were all... I mean, I realized that there were some, like, during the Stockley verdict, there was a time, there were times, usually, like, at 10 o'clock in the morning or something, where there was a busload of blue hairs from Webster Groves who were come, came in on a school bus and held their Black Lives Matter signs, and the white Webster Groves people, Kirkwood, and then and then they bust them back, and that yeah. was that was their duty for the day. You know, I think of thing. Ferguson when we talk about this, and right? Just that whole same thing, same yeah. thing, because because then because what happens is that then the news media decided they were going to then conflate the peaceful with the violent. And so every time there was violence, it was like that was just a small group of rabble rousers. They loved oh, that. really? That's a pretty that's a pretty small, that's a pretty energetic group of rabbit watchers after destroying ten or fifteen storefront windows. I mean, that's pretty big. But anyway, we've we've been used to the whole, you know, what began as a peaceful protest. Blah 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 blah. It always starts that way. So anyway, they say the protest tens of thousands of Palestinians had gathered on the edge of the fenced-off and blockaded territory from mid-morning. Many came to peacefully demonstrate. So let me ask you. So if you're going to the edge of a fenced-off area where basically you really kind of don't belong, are you really there to protest peacefully? Why wouldn't you go to a set, like a, like a Palestinian public square or something, if there is such a thing, and demonstrate there? Why are you going up against a heavily guarded zone and then why are you listen to this though uh, many came to peacefully demonstrate bringing their children and carrying flags food stalls sold snacks and music blared so it was they're just trying to think of, this is, was just a like music a festival, festival. <laughs> yeah. this is Lou yeah, right. for Palestinians yeah. The next paragraph does say that the protests appeared to have a more violent edge than in previous weeks. Some young men brought knives and fence cutters. Oh, oh those would be the yes. young men who brought knives and fence cutters. Small group. They had nothing to do with any of these other people. So the protesters, uh, they had like 23 paragraphs later in the article, basically talk about the violent nature of the whole event. And then you realize that they were also using these kites that had incendiary devices on them and all kinds of stuff. But you don't really hear that story. All you do, all you see visually is just a bunch of people with Palestinian flags. And usually what they do is they zero in on, if they did bring children, zero in on the children 
or zero in on the guy with the Adidas polo shirt on who just looks kind of innocuous, whatever. And then, and then that's and and then when things get rough, they'll they'll focus in on the people who are the uh, carrying the stretchers and the Hollywood yeah. people. But that's another example of just how janked up the coverage of this whole thing is, and it's uh, it's crazy. So let me get to this because this was all just really to get to this. So the guy with the gas mask putting on the gas mask <laughs> reminded me of this now legendary video from CNN. Now, those of you who are familiar with my show know that I have played this for you before, and you know the fool that Charles Jaco is on his, in his well, entirety of his career. I'll never forget one time I interviewed Charles Jaco when he came to KMOX. And that was back in the day when we were, we were we were we were such a cow town that we like a guy from CNN coming to or we used to be with CNN coming to KMOX was like a big deal it was like you know it was like oh he's a, a, a reporter from CNN is now working for KMOX and that's a big deal so i went and interviewed him and during the interview he had a watch that he bragged about that had been stolen from Manuel Noriega. So <laughs> I am not kidding you. <laughs> so, and, and, and at the time, he thought that was really a cool thing. It, it was okay to basically be wearing Manuel Noriega's watch. And I'm like thinking to myself, but that was stolen from him, though. I mean, I realized that, but remember, he was, he was the guy everybody referred to as the uh, Panamanian strongman. They don't use that term anymore, strongman. I always liked that. Yeah. They, now they use dictator, but he, yeah. they, they called him the Panamanian strongman, Manuel Noriega. So I don't remember all the details of his overthrow, but he was overthrown, and Jaco was reporting on that, and somehow wound up with Manuel Noriega's watch. <laughs> Maybe. Well, he said it was. So, so, but, but, but here's the thing. If it wasn't, then that's horrible. <laughs> right. And if it was, that's horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a real so, so either way, Charles Jaco is a horrible person. <laughs> but, but that it was horrible. Because you're, you're wearing somebody's stolen watch. Uh, you know, whatever. So anyway... Then, before all this happened, and, and, and in his early days of CNN, he's over in Iraq. This is during the first Persian Gulf War. I'm looking at this video, and actually I'm, I'm thinking, first of all, this whole thing looks fake. Now, I'm not one of those people who have perpetuated the idea that this was all fake news, because I don't know whether it was or not. But if you look behind him in this video, where he's reporting with the, and there are sirens going on. Specific off. about the direction. All right, we are now led to understand that there are also firings in another city in Saudi Arabia. Uh, CNN's Carl Rochelle is, is here with me, he just came up. Uh, Carl, I know we now can't look, be very look, specific look, look given these restrictions. Look at back here. First of all, Jaco looks like a porn star from 1973. <laughs> but, like Miami Vice. Yeah. But but then you look at the look at the visuals and all you guys have to do is uh, can we put this up somewhere? Uh, can I post it in the comments? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's where you do. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, so he's in there. Now, if you look at this, now, I've really never thought about this until I actually had a chance to review it last night again. Because the whole gas mask thing was enough, was funny enough. But if you look behind them, there was at one point where the trees, like these, there's, there's this palm tree, and, there's a, and everything is blue, like this blue wall, okay? It's a, kind of like a set. And then these trees, the bushes look like they moved all at once. I'm going, that, that looks like a fake bush back there. Is that a fake when bush back I there? When I first saw that video... It is strikingly fake looking. It just is. I, know it is. I mean, it really, it looks, really fake. It looks like it's a it's a set. Yeah. I mean, they could be in Mobile, Alabama, for oh, all we know. Yeah. In in some hotel room. <laughs> That's what it looks like. <laughs> it looks like one of those like vacancy hotels, <laughs> you know. <laughs> They're at the, they're at the Fairfield Inn in <laughs> next near the pool. <laughs> I mean, but look at this thing, and then 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 here's another. But uh, within those parameters, what did you see? Well, what I saw, I, I didn't see anything hit. I looked very almost straight up. Now keep in mind, that's supposed to be like an air raid siren. <laughs> I mean, I never really noticed how. I mean, I've seen this before, but I've never really noticed how. Unbelievably fake this is. It it sound this sound, air raid sound, like at first I was like, oh that's an air raid sound. I'm going, wait a minute. Oh, there is a vapor trail coming from my right to my left, and there's a cloud of uh, something. That sounds like one of those police cars you bought from Walgreens <laughs> <laughs> that you just kind of turn it on. You're like, hold, wee, it, wee, wee. hold it closer to the mic. Yeah. It sounds like it's coming from a box. I am not kidding you. And I didn't even know. It looks like it might have been an explosion of cloud. Uh, a white say. <laughs> this is him putting on. So. So Carl Rochelle is saying. So, so, I'm crying. Look at this freeze frame over here just for the hell of it. <laughs> so. Well, you know who he looks like? He looks like Artie Johnson from Laugh-In. Yes. Carl Rochelle does with his, with his helmet on. And Jaco has his, this gas mask on. So Jaco has oh the gas God. mask on, but Rochelle's standing there with a helmet that really honestly was bought at a military surplus store somewhere. Who knows? Maybe right outside the Fairfield Inn where they are. And, and so, so presumably, like... Jaco doesn't give a wit about Carl Rochelle's life, apparently, <laughs> because he puts on the gas mats, Rochelle puts on the helmet, and Rochelle's standing there, presumably breathing the gas. My apologies for these uh, putting on the gas mask. There hasn't been any gas dropped here that we could tell. Uh, no. So they're standing there. Rochelle's like looking. <laughs> Rochelle's like looking. Carl Rochelle's like looking at him, like going, "You've got to be kidding me." Now, oh. now keep in mind though, this whole time, oh my God. while there are air raid sirens going and everything else, not one time does the camera ever pan up to the sky to like show like, the. Like, yeah. like, <laughs> 
like, 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 uh, you know, Jayco is like, wa- like looking around dramatically. And, oh my God, looking up in the sky. But not one time does the camera go up to the sky to like see maybe what's going on or what happens. Because they would have seen the Motel Six <laughs> <Yeah>. sign. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't you, like, for instance, you know, oh. CNN, which at that time even was the world's most important network, why wouldn't they have one other camera that might be stationed on a roof or somewhere where you can actually see the uh, something in the sky yeah. or, or kind of, you know, kind of analyze the sky or do whatever, but not one time. It's always on these guys with those fake bushes oh. behind them. I, like, you guys... That hurts. You, probably, you may smell some of the fumes from uh, a, uh, a missile exhaust going on. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so Carl Rochelle's trying to, because, because the reality is, it's probably somebody's cigarette. <laughs> the fumes. <laughs> and it's probably, probably, probably uh, Jacob's cameraman's cigarette. And, and Rochelle's like going, well, you know, uh, here, I mean, from uh, a, uh, a missile exhaust going off. The missiles use a rocket of course. He's uh, putting on a gas mask. There hasn't been any gas dropped here that we could tell. You uh, smell anything? No. <laughs> you, probably, you may smell some of the fumes from uh, a, uh, a missile exhaust going off. <laughs> so, he's, so Carl Rochelle's trying to bail Jaco out of this hideous embarrassment that he's now involved in. And I don't, Carl Wilson's probably never, he's, I think he's still alive. He's never really spoken about this. And Jayco just insists all this. But at one point, wouldn't you have, like, especially after Carl Wilson goes, uh, that may have been, he's trying to remember his line, yeah. I think, uh, that may have been exhaust from a passing missile going by. Exhaust. <laughs> yeah, I mean, missile exhaust. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, that was exhaust from a camel light is what that was. I'm sorry. It was just so funny. Like, that whole thing <laughs> is seriously so funny. Oh, man. I, I posted I, it in the comment section. I sincerely encourage everyone to watch that video. It is like if laughter is the best medicine, yeah. you will get your dose right there. You need to go up to about maybe uh, the six minute. But before that, yeah. you can hear Jayco cussing up a blue streak and doing all that kind of other stuff. But you never once, never once see anything. Even when they're talking about missile exhaust, you, you think the cameraman go missile exhaust? I better pan up to the sky yeah. and see. What, but no, there's not. You know, there's no. I want to see the missile exhaust that's coming raining down on your patio there. And this is, is the same guy, mind you. And I know you don't pay attention to this stuff. I know you don't, because who cares about it? But Charles Jaco became obsessed with you over the last month. Obsessed with you, constantly tweeting about you and and tweeting about the situation. And I'm and I'm sitting here now relating like this video. And I'm, this is the same guy. And by the way, you know, you were joking about Letterman the other day, <laughs> yeah. like looking like disheveled. Yeah. Like Charles Jaco, like I'm not like knocking on the guy, but I, I mean he, he looks worn out. I haven't I haven't seen him forever. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, I, uh, yeah. I don't really I don't really talk to him. I think I talked to him when we were at Channel Two one time doing analysis or whatever. And I used to do a show with him because he hates me because when I was at the Dinosaur Station, when I first got there in 2003, 
uh, it was Charles Jaco's show in the morning. Okay. And and basically, by the time six months passed, it was Almond in the morning. <laughs> well, that's not and Jaco was on his way to having his seventh heart attack. That's why he so okay. So that that so, so that that so he does have a little bit of a pass there with me, which I don't mind. I I kind of was like you know how you have. Uh, you have like a dog, and the dog is maybe like twelve years old, and suddenly you get a puppy, yeah. and the puppy runs around and maybe knocks the, the old dog over. That was going on there, so I think I don't think he it's ever forgot forgot that. Great analogy, yeah. So he didn't like that. So that that might be part of the reason why he's obsessed with me. That and he doesn't have a job, so he has <laughs> no job. <laughs> I mean, yeah. None of these people really had jobs at the time. I mean, even Stacy Newman was. Bedridden or whatever she was doing for her, me- whatever that was she was doing on taxpayer dimes. But yeah, the, 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 yeah, it's, it's just it seems like illness and medical conditions create uh, quite a bit of kerfuffles. Time. <laughs> yeah. This was using a rocket at Cordite, some sort of burning. Uh, we just heard a little, little thunk. Just so, 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 we heard a little while, thunk. While while Carl Rochelle is talking about Cordite. They use a substance called cordite. In the, we're like, and Charles Jacobs is like, uh, is like kind of touching his nose to act like, oh, it must have been, you know, like, like he, he's trying to wipe the, yeah. the missile residue <laughs> off out of his nose. <laughs> missile and, uh, I have to apologize for that. I, I thought I lifted something and felt momentarily uh, dizzy. You're more experienced <laughs> military affairs than I am, but it might have been a little... Um, gas from the uh, from the rocket exhaust. <laughs> rocket exhaust. I can keep in mind they that, that's a second reference to a rocket, and still not one pan pan up into the sky to even look for a Hilarious. rocket or to even look for any remnant of exhaust from a rocket. Funniest. Well, thing. And was it anything? A lot of people have the respirators on just in case. And, and not, again, you. Uh, you run to get down here. You, uh, in my case, uh, jumped out of bed uh, hearing the air raid warning go on. You run down three flights of stairs to get out of here. And all, the whole time while Rochelle is doing this, and he's looking like, again, like Artie Johnson from Laughing. Do you, have you, have you ever seen you know what I'm talking about? Comment yeah. in that. It's so- I see nothing. I think that was, I think that might have been. But yeah, so Jaco is then like putting his coat. Thing around his his jacket yeah. around his nose, guarding and... from the rocket, <laughs> the smoldering rocket yeah, fuel. Right. <laughs> but Rochelle would have been like a dead duck. What are the owners of Motel Six thinking? It's probably a hundred yards. You hyperventilate a little bit, and you're nervous. Uh, one thing, one thing we have to point out, just so people won't think people are panicking. Most people are in their shelters. They've taken cover in their shelters, and in the time. We've been in Saudi Arabia. I've not seen any evidence of panic in the streets or people running around. People are not exactly taking this as a... You could turn the the KB toy off now. <laughs> the camera's guy's like, guys, how long do you want me to run this? Yeah. Most people are wondering whether that's what he's wiping out of his nose. Is it really rocket exhaust or is it some other substance? <laughs> Just, oh. I'm picturing the families like vacationing at the Motel Six that are having to stop and they're watching this <laughs> scene <laughs> unfold. Oh, but I, again, I never even 
the whole time I really thought it was funny because of his panicking. Mm-hmm. But I but I never really analyzed the tape and realized that there are certain aspects of it that really because I didn't really believe that this was fake, but everything leads to the determination that this all looks fake. That air raid siren, this doesn't sound like an air raid siren. It sounds again like a like that kitty cop car you buy at Walgreens. It takes two D batteries. Yeah, that gets stuck on all the time. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> So anyway, we put that video up in the comments section. Oh. You guys can check that out. And a lot of people who are familiar with my show and what I do, I've, I've done this before, uh, but it just seemed pertinent considering we just watched NBC News throw on the gas mask for, the, uh, for, for their deal with Hamas. Most people that forgot that you co-hosted. Everyone's like, oh, my gosh, I forget yeah. that he co-hosted with, with Jacob. Well, all you have to do really – even when you have situations like this, you just point out his his bitterness. Yeah. All you, it's very easy. All you have to do is just just flip a few pages back in history, and you'll find the reasons why people are the way they are. Yeah. You know, and why they do what they do, and why they wind up being in a situation this singularly obsessive kind of thing going on. He'll hear that you talked. I mean, he's going to hear this segment. Oh yeah, I mean, he, I've done this before. I've talked about him before like this but but it's 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 not a big deal this was just funny because it reminded me hilarious when the guy threw on his gas mask did you see by the way i i like i'm not a better i'm not a gambler i don't do sports betting i think one time i did one of these what did they call it was like a fantasy football thing sure like I've done fantasy football, but I've also I sometimes one time there was it was really popular where you could certainly you had like an account. Yes. And the you, online Yeah. Yeah, poker type stuff. Well right? it, it was it was for sports. It was like oh, for, okay. for football. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember what it was called, but you guys all know what it was called. So uh, eventually what happened is they basically shut all the legalized the, all the sports betting stuff down. And I was. I've never been a gambler. I, I'm not a. Uh, I don't go to casinos and and things like that. And and uh, I I don't really even. I don't play poker. I don't. You know, I feel like you know. I waste enough money as it is on other things than just simply to throw it all away in a machine somewhere. So, and, and by the way, is with the, with the online betting, I, I was a. I was kind of a semi on the fence about the Missouri lottery, because. Remember when the, when they passed the Missouri lottery, they said, "Oh no, this is." They, they always say it's going to the schools. It's going to the schools. We're going money's going to go to the schools, so it's going to be fantastic. But what happened is with the lottery money, with Missouri lottery money, and I don't know whether this has changed recently, but the last time I was able to check, Missouri lottery money goes into a general fund. Like there's not there's not a there's not a separate lottery money fund for divvying out to schools it, it doesn't it doesn't work that way it goes into a general fund so you really don't know how the lottery money really is being spent i also understand from people who work in the city school district for instance like you think like when you think of the st louis city public schools do you think of them being wealthy opposite exactly but they're considered too wealthy to get money from the Missouri lottery. How does that get figured? Be- because it's, it, there, there are things called whole, hold harmless school districts. So depending on the amount of spending 
that is done because the city schools spend a lot of money, but they're not wealthy necessarily, but they spend a lot of money. So oftentimes a hold harmless school district is one, and I think it's based on a, uh, on a certain number that you spend on students, whatever. And so there are many, I, I don't think there is, to my knowledge, I don't think there's one school in our immediate market area. And I, I'm thinking St. Charles, I'm thinking Jefferson County and St. Louis County that actually gets money from the lottery. Wow. Like you thought that everybody got money from the lottery. Yeah. They don't. You have to be at a certain level of poverty or whatever to get the money. So, for instance, Webster Groves doesn't get the money. But no. you know what? Why shouldn't they? I mean, if, if you're going to say that this is for education and people pass it. And I think they said the same thing about the casinos. Oh, of the, course. The, 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 yeah. the, the floating, the, yep. the casino, riverboat gaming. And now keep in mind, I do have a lot of respect for many of the casinos in town here because when we lost a good deal of headquarters and some businesses and things like that, it actually wound up being the casinos that stepped in and really were very good in terms of putting money into the community. Yeah. Like Harrah's was yeah. a great. Is Harrah's still around? I believe it is. Okay. Yeah. Like Harrah's, if you look at what they do for many organizations around town. Harrow's actually does a great job and they'll show you exactly where they're putting money and supporting this and supporting yeah. that. And, and so there are, the casinos in town here actually do contribute a lot to the community. And they pay well. I mean, I remember when river city went in, I mean, yeah. not just the construction of it, but it, 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 there's so many people it employs and, and pays well. Yeah. So, but all I'm saying is, if you're going to do a lottery or you're right. going to do gaming, just do it. Don't tr- don't try to lie to us <laughs> and tell us that it's for education, like they did with the lottery, because nobody believed you. And then it turns out that they had every right not to believe you, and every every reason not to believe you. So anyway, depending on what what happens with this whole sports betting thing, basically the Supreme Court ruled that states can legalize sports betting. Which I wish I knew ahead of time. We could have figured out some plan, Ryan. I know. Could have done some kind of. I don't know. We should. It's kind of like with 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 weed. You know, it's kind of like. Yeah. Uh, Can't jump on the bandwagon now. I, I need to. I need to buy a farm pronto, <laughs> just in case. You know what they say is it, depending on whether or not they're going to legal... Like, medical marijuana, I totally support. 100%. And, and I can't believe these people have been so slow to to allow that. Uh, it's just a, a Republicans, usually. but It they, is, why, sadly. Why are you, you know, it's a gateway drug. It's like, yeah, come on. It's medical, medical marijuana, by the way, comes in a, a lot of different forms. There's an oil. CBD. Yeah, that yeah. oil is awesome. And you can't even, one of my really good friends here in, in, in Missouri is the only license holder that actually can produce CBD. His His grow house is in Eureka. Uh, it's enormous. Wow. He is the only one that actually has the license to be able to do that, but um, he there's only like three forms of epilepsy. I, I think he told me at this point there's only about 80 families in the entire state of Missouri that qualifies for this CBD for an epileptic seizure, 
And I've seen the videos. He's shown me the videos. I mean, I mean, it stops them like that. I don't smoke marijuana, but I do know there are a lot of people, and they do use the oils and some of the yeah. derivatives of it, but I do know some people who have, like, MS and right. things, and they smoke it, and, or, or they have cancer or whatever else, yeah. and they smoke it, and it, it is amazing what it does to alleviate their pain. And to me, it's like, well, why, why, can't, why would that be? How is it possibly illegal that a person who has MS can't smoke a joint in the in the confines of their own home right. to alleviate pain or with or people with Parkinson's or glaucoma or that kind of thing. Why is that? How is it possible that that's a crime? But they can go buy an entire bottle of Jack Daniels and just get a, a completely obliviously <laughs> yeah, drunk right. and drive and, and drive. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's this is crazy. A, it, it's we- it's so agree. weird. We're so weird about that stuff in our in our society. And and I and and knowing a lot of people. I mean, not many, but knowing a lot of people and how it really changes their lives yeah. because they're suffering. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of the pain medication out there is really bad. I mean, the, the side effects are it's horrible. Yeah. And, and not only that, it's addictive. Yep. And so it's like, yeah, I mean, people are thinking, well, marijuana, is that addictive? I don't know. But, but, but clearly, if you are in pain and you're doing something that alleviates the pain, you're going to keep doing it. Yeah. And, 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 if, and if it's safer than, let's say, Oxycontin, which I think weed is, and yet we're dispensing Oxycontin like M&Ms out there, then I don't understand why we can't, why, why this is a problem. Dr. Naputi just commented, and he's like, if you all want to know how this works, ask me. I know, I know, because he sees <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. the opioid addiction. I mean, people come in completely addicted to pain pills and he sees the natural side of things like cbd oil and things parents who have kids that are are seizing and constant and then all of a sudden they take this and the seizures are gone versus the doctors are just throwing medications that aren't do i mean it's to me it is common sense i i truly cannot believe it's it is terrible that it's the conservative i i can't stand that it's the republicans most of the time that are blocking these right and, and you almost said conservative but i, I would know, argue I I, but i would argue that they're not conservative I, I they're just republicans, republicans you know yeah and, and and there are a lot of republicans out there who yeah. really aren't conservative they're just republicans but to your point about dr deputy now he also i remember talking to him about this and had him on the tv show at one point because he's working with those pro football players yeah. Uh, regarding the non-opioid drip, yep. so like a pro IV type. Pro deal. IV, yep. yeah, and 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 that is cool, especially for these guys who have been through concussions and that kind of thing. But really, it's so many different uses for it. And 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 I I didn't ask Doctor Deputy this, but maybe you know, because because believe me, the pharmaceutical industry is hugely powerful in this country, and so the idea of you being able to get approval for a drip when you've got Pfizer out there going, um, we don't want that approval for the drip. And by the way, we've just gave your campaign $40,000. Yeah. So uh, to me, that's the biggest roadblock of these pharmaceutical companies and their ability to kind of lobby. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with pharmaceuticals. I, I, it, it, there are some Amen. people, I wouldn't want Oxycontin to be banned. There are some people when we get into discussions like this, they're afraid that the reaction will be just simply to ban these Not drugs. The 
not no, it's not. But but people do need alternatives, and I think there's a lot of really good, strong alternative medicine out there. And Dr. Naputi obviously is at the forefront of that. But again, I, I don't know how hard it was to get FDA approval of this, or or the, all the things that you got to go through. And and one of the things too now that's happening, which I think is a great thing, is that be, well, when Obama was president. Do you realize that people who made, for instance, generic drugs, the the whole licensing process, the whole I'm sorry, the approval process right. was so expensive that it made generic drugs as expensive as the name yes. brand drugs. And 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 that just shouldn't be. And so a lot of that is changing now. There's a lot, and that's why sometimes deregulation is not a bad thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and and as to your point is uh, on the natural side of things, they just don't have that lobbying money. Not when some of these drugs cost thirty and forty and fifty thousand dollars, and and millions are on them. Uh, they don't have that kind of lobbying money. So unfortunately, these natural these natural solutions with zero side effects, like like Dr. Booty said, sixty five thousand plus people dying from opioids every year. How many are dying from marijuana usage? It's it, it is it's crazy yeah. when you look at it. Oh, absolutely. And and again, I just want to know, like for instance, I'm not and I know people are going to crab at me about this to a certain degree, but I've never really been uh I I I support legalizing marijuana. I mean, sure. I, I I just do. And and but but before you all do that, will you let me know so I can invest <laughs> in, in something yeah. uh like either a farm or, you know, somebody told me that if, if somebody's going to be legalizing marijuana, if it, it sweeps the nation the way it does, is that the best investment would be in the people who get the marijuana to the market. Yeah. So you'd want to, you would want to invest, and don't tell anybody, people, it's between <laughs> us, okay? Don't tell the you, you 20,000 people that are trying to hear this. You would want to invest in, for instance, the people who uh, make cigarettes. Yeah. So you you would want to invest in whatever company sure. w- William Moore wherever whoever they are who actually make the cigarette wraps because because believe me once marijuana is legalized uh, you're not just gonna people aren't just like rolling the rolling paper industry isn't gonna boom right. it's gonna be the people who put them in a package yeah. uh, in cylindrical form yep. and get them to a store so you can buy them it's not gonna be the distri- it's it's the distribution process and the, yeah yeah you're not gonna Cheech and Chong aren't gonna be just simply on the street corner rolling stuff up for you I know you get <laughs> flack for this because uh, I know you know there are some in the Republican you know, party that obviously they, they hate the idea of legalized marijuana. You know, it's funny because I, I get asked this question all the time. I've never, ever, ever smoked marijuana. I've never, ever done a drug. And yet I'm all for the legal. I wouldn't do it, but I also don't think it's me. How can I say you, right, you shouldn't exactly. do that? No, that's, I that's mean, why, it's not my role. That's why I'm supportive of it. And I, and I'm, I don't want to do it either. Yeah. I mean, I, I, but uh, especially the weed now. Have you ever heard? Do you ever hear uh, <laughs> that the uh, who is it? Who's the who's the um, Louis C.K. tells yeah. a story about how he was uh, out. I don't know why he would do this, but he did. He's out in the parking lot smoking with some of his fans <laughs> weed, and and suddenly, and he's probably well, close to my age, whatever. Okay, so he's smoking weed out with his fans, 
and he thinks that he has just taken a hit of like LSD. <laughs> because because apparently the pot now is so crazily strong, it's different than the dirt weed that people of my generation used to have where they, they cleaned it in their album covers and stuff, you know? Uh, where they, where they, this, I don't know about... No, I don't know. I don't either. I heard about it, though, when I was a kid, that there would be album covers that had still had seeds in them. And that's, okay. how, you could, you know, you could, that's how you'd clean your weed. That's what I heard people did. And then you'd take it... you take it... <laughs> Matt's just standing there. <laughs> You take your, uh, you take a uh, like a, a a card, like a like a from a deck of cards. You take a. This is something I heard. Legend has it okay. that you would take a card from the fifty-two card deck, uh-huh. uh, and then you would take it and then you would uh, put it up on the album and then deceit it. That's what people used to do. I know that. Okay. But anyway, uh, th- that was that was kind of back in the day when people did. But but nowadays, apparently, it's so strong that like Louis C.K. was like he thought he thought he would he went into full blown like panic because he didn't know what what happened to him. He he couldn't see straight. So anyway, that's the that's the yeah. Point. I know. I didn't know how we got diverted into that. But... Well, because we were talking about gambling and oh, vices yeah. and that kind of thing. Yeah. And this is Cory Booker because New Jersey's the one. That was the was the center point of this particular case, and New Jersey became the focal point of the Supreme Court decision. That's why Cory Booker was interviewed by Senator Booker. How you doing, sir? I'm well. I'm big well. big victory for the state of New Jersey. New in the Jersey country. won in the Supreme Court. I'm very happy about that. Well, what are your thoughts? A lot of people are saying you you, you have a unique perspective. You're obviously a senator, a lawmaker, but you are. Pause for a second. I forgot we got we were talking about. Don't tell Jim Talent we were talking about pot. <laughs> He won't want to come on. Yeah, here. Uh, hang on. He just texted me. Yeah. Uh, calling now. Sorry, Jim. Don't tell him. I, I don't. Please. I won't say anything. Don't tell Jim Talent. I was. We were occupying his time. Here's Cory Booker. All right, a former NCAA athlete. A yeah. lot of people have said over the years that this might lead to um, college athletes gambling and pro athletes gambling. I think that you can control for a lot of the worries. But the reality is this is a hundreds of billions of dollars a year that are being done in illegal gambling, which is often related to violence and sex trafficking. It's just a sinister area. Let's bring it out into the light. Let's regulate it. Uh, let's benefit from the taxes from it for states like mine uh, so we're better able to control uh, uh, sports betting. So uh, Republicans, the there's is, a couple of them that are... That's the way they talk about it with, with marijuana. With marijuana yeah. is, what, go ahead, bring it to the market. You can actually make some money off of it by taxing it. Why, why is that such a problem? And these guys are talking about uh, sports guys gambling and everything else. Uh, if, if the Supreme Court is going to allow legalized sports betting, I also hope that they will go ahead and make a ruling that allows Pete Rose into the Hall of Fame. That'd be a game changer. It would be. I think he ought to be. He belongs in the Hall of Fame. And it's not just because they have three of his rookie cards. I'm not kidding. I, you know. Hello. Hi, Jim. How you doing? Hey, Jamie. You know, when you call, there's no caller ID. So I figured either this is Jamie or the president. <laughs> oh, let's see. So, so it says no caller ID. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. There's, there's a, by the way, does the president call you? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I get... I get some calls from big shots, but not from the Oval Office yet. Well, and anyway, he wouldn't call right now. He's probably, well, wait a minute, it's Fox and Friends on. It's a little bit, uh, he's probably watching that. <laughs> right on. All right, so we. He keeps, uh, his, uh, he keeps his finger on the pulse yeah, that way. And right. Better than the way I do it. 
I don't I read know. a bunch of foreign policy articles in the morning. I don't know how you woke up this morning, but this is how we woke up to the the melodious voice of uh, of the anchor woman in North Korea, telling us that right now the June 12th summit is in jeopardy and might not happen, but there still seems to be some degree of faith that it will anyway. And I'll, and I'll ask you one more question on top of that, Jimmy. It, it seemed odd to us that, for instance, South Korea and some of the other guys would actually engage in exercises like the ones they are exercising right before a summit like this, because you, wouldn't you think that would possibly aggravate some people to a certain degree? I don't know. No, I see. I think I understand why you feel that way, and it may seem counterintuitive. But I think this is exactly the right thing to do. And I wrote a column about this uh, last week. You have to understand what brought them to the table. Okay. In my opinion, what brought them to the table was pressure from the Chinese. And the reason the Chinese put that pressure on them is because the North Korean provocations are leading to a lot of things in the region the Chinese don't like. And maybe chief among them is a closer South Korean-American relationship including in the area of military cooperation. So we, for example, put a missile defense system in South Korea. The Chinese absolutely hated that. They don't like these exercises. They don't like the president surging aircraft carriers to the region. They don't like Japanese rearmament. And so they've gone to the table because the Chinese pushed them there because the Chinese said, look, you know, you've got it. You've got to do something to lower the threat environment in the region so that so that these things don't continue happening that we don't like. And so therefore what you do is you keep doing the things that they don't like unless and until they perform in the way you want them to perform, you see? So this is a sign in my judgment that the strategy is working. Um, and what the administration needs to do now is to say, hey, we're going to continue protecting our interests and the interests of our allies. And if you don't like it, Maybe you ought to disassemble that uh, that nuclear plant you were talking about breaking down, right? Yeah. So this is a case where they're starting to move towards us, and now what they want us to do is to is to is to give up our position before they've done anything except complain. Right. right. Well, you don't do that. That, that uh, what what I didn't read your article, but when we t- uh, yet, but when we were talking about it this morning, that's exactly the alternative view that I put forth that we presented because we're thinking, okay, so yeah. this is either uh, just this, there has to be some strategy here. And it, it seems to be the kind of, um, of art of the deal strategy that president Trump has adopted in almost all of his negotiations, whether it be on Capitol Hill or beyond where he goes out, he'll make a statement sometimes even where it's kind of even a jab at the people He's about 12 hours away from meeting at the White House. And it seems to me that that seems to be something that he does uh, because it works and also because it's a tactic that he's comfortable with. And it seems like you're just confirming that that actually is part of the reasoning behind showing force and not showing weakness in the run up to a meeting. Exactly. Look, this is the alignment of a couple of things. First, a basic principle which Trump believes in is peace through strength. In other words, you stand up for your own interests. If they don't like it, 
too bad. Then they, they have to persuade us on our terms, okay? The second thing is, if you're negotiating with somebody, find out what they want and find out how bad they want it, okay? Well, now we're finding out something that they want. They want us to stop these, uh, these exercises in this, uh, uh, with the South Korea, Koreans, and, and they want the uh, alliance between the United States and the South Korea Koreans to be weakened, okay? So you don't give them that unless and until they give you something of greater value. So just because they complain, too bad. In other words, if they want us to stop these things, give us something real. And so, you know, we got the hostages back. I said that was a sign, see, that this is working because they gave us something real. And now what Trump is saying is that's not enough. Okay, he's negotiating before he's at the table. And I, I, you know, I really have to tell you, Jamie, and you know, I'm not, um, you know, I didn't enter the Trump administration uh, as a, as a uh, being obsequious to the president, but when I, and I'm not now, but when I look at how he's maneuvering, I really like it. And I think, you know, the addition of Bolton and Pompeo is really helping him in this respect. So look, why shouldn't we have, they're our treaty ally, they're threatened, we have the right and it's in our interest to conduct exercises with them. It's interesting. So why shouldn't we? It's interesting that North, <laughs> yeah, that North Korea has kind of zeroed in on Bolton now. Uh, mm-hmm. because, because here's the deal. It just seems like Kim is being kind of a baby now. Because, because first of all, he said, Kim Jong-un, he said he was going to meet. And now it's like, oh, well, we don't like that you did this. And now we didn't like John Bolton comparing us to Libya. And it's like, okay, you know what? Just shush. And, and I understand that, that, listen, I don't blame North Korea for wanting to kind of vet the intentions of the U.S. and figure out what's going on and sincerity. I, I, I understand that, but it seems like they're, being, they're, they're trying to look for ways to not make this thing happen. Right. And, well, I'm, I don't, they're looking for ways to accomplish their objectives, right. either without it happening or with it happening. And if Trump started giving them what they wanted, because they complained and they threatened, they would just become more intransigent. They, they would use complaints and threats to get what they want instead of solid concessions. And I do believe that his experience in negotiations has helped prepare him for this because it's counterintuitive. Okay, so the average president who doesn't have that kind of experience to fall back goes, oh, my God, I've got my vocabulary invested in this. We're going to look bad. We're going to be criticized. We've got to stop these exercises so they come to the table. And once you show that you're willing to res- – that you'll give them what they want without any real concessions from them, it makes it harder to get concessions. So what Trump is doing is negotiating right now away from the table, right? And I, I have to tell you, I really admire it. Uh, I, I would not stop this. I hope they don't. Uh, now, you're right. I mean, there are some things that you don't do. I, I would I – would, be careful about provocative statements. Uh, the exercises are solid action. Um, although, you know, our president makes provocative statements. <laughs> That's yeah. who he is. So he may or may not be careful about that. But it's the solid substance that matters here. I would caution you about one thing. Don't underestimate the people that we're dealing with. I mean, Kim is a lot of things. I, you know, I, I understand why you're calling him a big baby. And, you know, certainly... Um, you know, there, there's he's he's a sociopath, 
but they're not dumb. And, and these negotiations are going to be difficult. There's going to be a lot of temptations and a lot of just difficult issues. Like, what is the end stage we're willing to accept? What does denuclearization mean? Now, Bolton is starting out, as he should, with a very strong position. He's saying you got to break down the whole nuclear architecture. That doesn't mean that's our bottom line. That means that's what we come in with. This is another mistake people in Washington make, which is they come in with their bottom line. So where can they, you know, how can they move? And we're not doing that. But I suspect we would accept something less, but I don't know what it is. And that's good, too. Remember, we don't want them them to know what we want and how bad we want it, right? Right, right. So yeah. you, you don't go in saying, you know, you, you don't go into these negotiations telling the world what it is exactly that you're willing to settle for. <laughs> Why would you do that? Well, when we negotiate, I, I think that maybe if we just come away with the possibility that they just simply get a different anchor on North Korean TV. Like, like, well, just, keep, just keep your nukes, but get her. Please, off the air. You know, it's interesting with the Bolton. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll call, the pre- I'll call the president up. I do call him, although he doesn't call me, and I'll suggest that you get on the negotiating team. Yeah. And you can work that with your uh, North Korean Chinese uh, counterparts. You can work for a different. Uh, you got to be careful, though, Jamie, because uh, you're a very deeply humane man. And uh, who knows if they replace her, who knows exactly what that means in North Korea? Right? Well, you know, I mean, I, I'm for I'm for more voices, more voices, not fewer, even if they do sound like this. I, I, so I wouldn't want yeah, her. We don't want her. We don't want her replaced in the sense that. <laughs> Kim Jong-un might mean it. You know what I mean? We just want her repealed and replaced. We just... Uh, we, 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 no, we don't want her repealed either. Just, you know, put her on put her on a show later in the day. When you do... Yeah, when I'm you sure. do the negotiations, make clear. Now, look, you know, I don't, I don't want to end up in the re-education camp here. I just would prefer a different anchor in the morning. Well, if, okay? if she can, if she can monetize it, I'll have her on Radio Free Almond. So she, she can just do her own show. Yeah, exactly. If I figure that'll be well, great. Well, you know what? I bet she'd do about anything to be over here able to monetize <laughs> what she's doing. Who wouldn't? You know what I'm saying? Hey, by oh, the way, real quickly gosh, about Jamie. Bolton, it does seem that, that there's a – I think – I think Bolton aggravates them only from the standpoint that he's always been kind of tough on North Korea and has always said some things even about Kim Jong-un's father. And so I think there's a little bit of that personality stuff going on. So I, I'm, not, I'm not too worried about that. Uh, hey, have you been watching what's going on with the Missouri Republican U.S. Senate race? Uh, you know, Jamie, not – um, not intensely. I mean, as I, I, I read some stories about it, so it depends on how level, how specific a level you want to get to with it. I, I think uh, Josh is is doing a good job. I think he he needs to run a solid race, uh, drawing the contrast between him and McCaskill, and uh, I think he's got a great chance if he does. But I'm happy to try and answer questions. Well, because one of the things that that is important about Hawley's candidacy in terms of what he needs to do is most people, even some fairly objective observers, are saying they don't feel like he's energetic enough. Uh, and, and, and I personally, I have to tell you, I sometimes wonder whether or not this is something he really wants to do. I realize that might sound ridiculous to a certain degree, and I, and I might be just dead wrong about it. But he seems to be have been tapped to do this, and yet it doesn't seem like he's been given 
all the tools to pursue it or he, or he has the tools to pursue it with the kind of verve you're going to need to unseat a, a Democrat senator who will once again run her rap that she's some kind of centrist, which is not true. Well, you're right to focus on the fact that you have to have what politicians call a fire in the belly. Uh, but I know Josh Hawley well enough to know he's got it. Now, look, I don't know how many campaign events that, you know, he's done in the last 30 days. It would probably be good if they, you know, if they put that out. I do know that this is a, a guy who's accomplished an enormous amount in a short period of time, you know, relatively speaking, uh, given his age. He's still he is still doing his job as attorney general. And in doing that, I think he is you know, getting a level of, of visibility that's important for the campaign. And I think he's drawing the contrasts and doing what he needs to do when we get in the red zone, you know, where the thing really heats up after Labor Day. But I'm not in a position to, I mean, I just don't know exactly how they would respond to that in terms of, you know, where he's been, what he's done in speeches and the rest of it. I'm relatively pleased with where we're at in terms of the campaign. I think his numbers indicate that he's in a strong position to win. Um, you know, he's at least even, and I know a lot of polls that show him a little bit ahead, and that's really good when you're running against an incumbent. So I'm, you know, I, I'm okay with where he's at, but, uh, you know, I, I'm not, you probably need to talk to the campaign press secretary about <laughs> exactly what they would say. And I mean, really, I mean, they, I, I haven't talked with them either, uh, in a little bit. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of it has to do with the idea that, uh, Here's here's the thing. There are a lot of people because I was I did MC the debate on Friday and Josh wasn't there. Okay. The five other candidates were there, and there are a lot of people who I think would be willing to give Hawley uh, a a hearing, but are concerned. I think, and, and this might not be Hawley's fault that he is kind of being shoved down people's throats. Like he like he's he's uh, they're already running past all five other candidates. And essentially just acting as if he already has the nomination. And that really does frustrate a lot of people because they, they, they re- these are people who uh, voted for President Trump. And even during the campaign, we're all told that Jeb Bush was gonna, supposed to be the guy. And so my people, a lot of my people who listen to Radio Free Allman and beyond have a certain level of pushback when they feel like the Republican Party and others – are just simply appointing someone as opposed to getting them involved in a real live election. I think that's the frustration of a lot of people here. Well, I, yeah, and I, you know, the decisions to do a debate or not to do a debate, I mean, I, again, it depends on you know, what your other uh, duties or opportunities or the rest of it is. You know, I do think he's running on his record in both, and, and who he is in both the primary and the general. I think he'd be a strong candidate. I think we do need to nominate the strongest candidates. Uh, you know, we've seen what happens when we don't. And, you know, we've got to keep our eye on the ball in November, which is to sustain the movement that we're getting on a national level. This economy is really picking up. We are reversing the defensive position we've been in abroad. We're building up our military strength. We're doing a lot of things. And uh, if we don't sustain the president's support in the Congress, uh, we're going to lose those things or yeah. we're in danger of losing them the next two years. So I would just I understand all that. And um, I would just urge people to, you know, keep their eye on the ball. I didn't do every debate that I was offered to do either, Jamie. Now, if it had been one you were emceeing, 
I would have done it for that reason alone. But, uh, you know, there are all kinds of reasons why that might be the case. But, you know, certainly, uh, you know, he needs to definitely, I mean, he needs to get out and make his case. I think he's doing it. um, But, you know, the proof is going to be in the pudding. I will have to tell you that I thought, you know, when, when you were running and when you lost that seat, and I was thinking, you, here's the thing, you were the quintessential candidate of integrity because there are a lot of people, because this was during the Iraq war and it was a very unpopular time uh, for the war and for the president and for Republicans for that matter. And you didn't bail ever on the president or anybody else. And I think ultimately you pay that it was kind of a perfect storm. I think essentially you kind of paid the price for an atmosphere that I don't think had anything to do with your level of competence as a U.S. Senator, your job as a U.S. Senator. You'd been in Congress before that. And I think the timing was just so bad. But it, but even still, you re- you knew the timing was bad, but you still stuck with your principles. And I think there are a lot of people who respect you for that. If they, they don't remember it, they ought to, because uh, you could have taken – the 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 tack that that some other Republicans have done before, where they just simply bail and pretend they don't even know this administration or that, and you stuck with it, man. I was I was I, I have a lot of respect for you for for doing that. Which raises the question, Jamie: How has the republic survived without me in public office? I mean, I you know I ask myself all the time. <laughs> well, you know there, what? That's my next yeah. question because because I do wonder because you are still. A young man. I mean, you know, and and your and your kids are grown by now, right? I mean, they're and, and so you've got. Okay, I'm, I'm okay, Oman. Sur- I'm waiting. You've been so nice to me. I'm waiting for the punchline. No, no, I'm surprised. I'm, 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 I'm just. Anticipating I'm sur- what's coming up now? Well, now we you're have- calling me a young man. Well, I'm 61. Well, look, I always thought this, Jamie, and I said it, um, you know, after that race at the end because people were really disappointed, and I understand, and I. The worst thing about it was that I I couldn't get over the finishing line ahead for all the people who worked so hard. But it's an election, okay? And I I am committed to public service. It's still my vocation. There are lots of ways of doing that without being in office. And, you know, sometimes we ought to do an interview on that because, you know, we have this year increased the top line of the defense budget by $100 billion. Now, that's over two years. And those of us who worked you know, from the outside in a network to influence in that direction, I think had a real impact. And I'm proud of that. Um, I mean, because there isn't anything we could do that's more important in my judgment to protect the American people. But I, Henry Hyde told me something years ago, and he's a great man. He said, Jim, there, there always should be a list of things you will not do to win an election. Mm-hmm. He said, if, if you ever take an honest accounting, and you say to yourself, you know, there's nothing I won't do to win. He said, then get out because it's destroying you. Yeah. And yeah. I remembered that, you know, now that it's, you mentioned Josh before, you know, you have to, you have to make winning a priority. You owe that to your ideas and your agenda and the people who are working so hard for you, but not a priority over honor. And, yeah. uh, because what's the point of winning unless you can preserve a decent kind of confidence among the people. And you can't do that if you're not 
open about what you believe. So um, it makes it harder because you can't just, you know, when you get a hard question from Jamie Allman, you know, you can't just lie, right? <laughs> you, have to, you have to find a way of giving a good response that's within the limits of what's honest. But it's the better way. And I, I say this to young people who are getting involved in politics all the time. You know, I just say, look, you've you got to fight hard to preserve your integrity. I never went around bragging about it. I didn't want people to vote for me because they thought I was, you know, a messiah or something. There's only one messiah, you know, in my view. But I did try and act that way. And I appreciate your saying so. Yeah, I really no, I, I remember that. And, and ultimately, when my son wound up going there in 2010, it was mm-hmm. it, it, it because there were people who stuck to their guns and who continued to support the war effort. It made it just that much more, well, safe for him, so to speak, because a lot of the hard work had been done with the continued support of some of our elected officials. I will ask you, though, let's let's say that Eric decides that this is enough. I, I'm not. I'm just not going to put up with this anymore. And in 2020, I'm not running for governor again. Would Jim Talent run for governor of the state of Missouri? Because you, I think you, sh- uh, you should. If he doesn't, I, nobody run. should count on me. Nobody should count on me entering electoral politics again. That's that's uh, very nice of you. Now, now what I'm I have too much said money. is because <laughs> I <laughs> and I can't. You know, I would have to be. I would be honest, but I would have to be a little bit more careful in discussions like this one. You know? Yes, yes. Uh, but uh, what I have said, Jamie, is that uh, I, am, I continue to be deeply concerned about the threats facing the country, and not all of them are external. And if something were to happen where I felt like, you know, uh, that I, could, I really could serve the people uh, effectively, I would not foreclose that. But I don't, in saying this, I'm just trying to be honest with yeah. you. I don't want people to think I'm preparing the way for a candidacy because, uh, you know, I'm not. I could have run again for the Senate, in particular in 2012, uh, where I think I would have had an excellent chance of winning. And I just decided at the time that there were, there were, uh, there were other tasks I wanted to try to accomplish uh, for the people, and particularly in the area of national security, and that you do that from the other end of Pennsylvania uh, Avenue from the, where the Congress is. And so that's what I've tried to do is to get into an appointed position where I would be able to make a difference. Um, and, I, you know, I've been on the list. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, I'm satisfied with what the current is doing. You know, I, it's like... Uh, as long as they're accomplishing things, I'm going to do what I can to help them from the outside. And I'm, I'm content doing that. But again, it's really nice of you. I mean, I, again, I'm still waiting for the punchline, but no, I just, <laughs> I, you know, it, you know, what's great about the, the, what's really great is I have time to ask you stuff that I've, I sometimes don't have time to ask you or didn't have time to ask you before because we're always up against a hard break and we're always doing this. And so, you know, because of the structure of the radio free almond show, I have a little bit more of a, Oh, an ability to ask you questions that I kind of have always wanted to ask, but then I'd have to leave on the cutting room floor because I had more pertinent stuff yeah. to ask you about. So that's why. You know, we can do sometime if you'd like to is because I enjoy doing this. I do this sometimes with, uh, with young people, like in seminar classes at colleges, I, you know, I'd be happy to talk with you about, about politics um, and, and the deeper aspects of it. I, I mean, in the sense of, 
uh, why things happen the way they do, uh, why campaigns go the way they do. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, you know, Nate Silver, 538 crunching numbers or something. I'm talking about how politicians think and why they act the way they do. And, you know, what's the right thing to get angry about and what's the wrong thing to get angry about. Yeah. You know, I'm happy to do that sometime if you'd like to. Oh, I, I, of course, I, I know I'll have to prepare uh, out the kazoo, but I'll um, I'll do it. Well, you know, maybe one day we'll do one, and it could be something we do on the air here, uh, or we can do one that we throw up on the iTunes podcast so that we can actually talk more about it. And uh, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe it'll turn into the Jim Talent Show for an yeah. hour on Radio Free Allman every so and so day. But, but no, we we should do that because really, what's amazing is that, for instance, our iTunes subscriptions and those mm-hmm. kinds of things are going crazy because people love these podcasts. And sometimes it'd be nice to populate the iTunes uh, area with maybe something like separate that Absolutely. might be like a little interview, a side interview that goes into depth about one one particular subject, what have you. So I'll take you up on that, buddy, and and thank you again for your continued support. I'm, I'm, I love the fact that you're sticking with me here, and thank you so much. Oh, Jamie, glad to do it. I'll just close. I'll just say this. I'm not surprised that you are sort of renewing and refreshing yourself in this new platform because you do have greater freedom. Not that you were really that circumscribed. I mean, you no. pretty much said and did what you wanted, but you just have more time and more freedom here. And I, I, I really think you're going to enjoy this. Yeah. Uh, and I'm you know, grateful for the chance to be on. So well, thanks, call in time. I appreciate it so much, Jim, and have a good rest of your week. And we'll talk to you next week. Can we kind of do this yep, like regular we'll time every? Okay, sounds good. That's Jim uh, Jim Talon calling, and that's good, good guy. Great guy. I like being able to ask some of those questions. Oh and things yeah, like that, that people I didn't were commenting about that too. And I, I'd say you got a lot of conversation going when you guys got into the Senate. Oh, talk. the Holly thing. Yeah, the, yeah. The the Holly. I mean, you know, uh, that is a passionate issue right now. Because there are so many people that are kind of undecided where they're going to sit. I mean, I think some people have made up their mind. They're either Peterson or they're, you know, Minetti or, you know, I don't think many are Holly or at least not the Radio Free They're, they're not. And that's why I asked yeah. Jim about this because I think that that the – and I, I, I respect his viewpoint on this, that he thinks in the end it can happen. but But a lot of us – who went through a, a long time supporting President Trump in the face of people who told us it had to be another guy. One of the reasons why we stood by President Trump as a candidate is because we saw his energy. We saw his passion. I'm telling you, that was the biggest, most pronounced thing. I'm not saying that Ted Cruz was lazy or what have you. Ted Cruz was probably the second hardest working person in his campaign. I'll never forget interviewing him for the TV show uh, for an hour when he was here or or a half hour over at the, the, no, maybe it was an hour, whatever it was. We aired the thing in a couple of parts and uh, Ted Cruz was a, a very serious, energetic candidate. But President Trump was was more so, and, and 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 also I think connected better with normal average everyday people. Yes. And again, no cut to Cruz in that sense because I do have I do appreciate what he did in the aftermath of the election. And that is, uh, be a man about it. And and Trump uh, was part of that too. 
in terms of just kind of supporting him and doing that yeah. kind of thing. And I hope Ted Cruz does well in, the, in this upcoming Senate race. But but President Trump had passion, and we were and 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 Missourians and Americans were so sick of watching these guys sleep through these yes. sleepwalk 100%. through these elections. And McCain did. McCain was lazy. And, and and that's why when when I hear him talking about how Sarah Palin, he regrets Sarah Palin. I keep saying, dude, Sarah Palin was the best thing that ever happened to you because, yeah. in all due respect, and I, we always did preface, but but but, <laughs> but you, you're lucky you had her. Otherwise, we probably would have had pretty much no interest in no. in your candidacy. Then Romney was boring. Oh. He he he's 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 the guy who you knew even before he didn't order the soup that he'd never order the soup, and you just kind of knew that whole thing. And I'll never forget Romney when he was running. We he'd, he'd never talked to us on the radio station. He'd never he we always had to talk to his wife, and I, it's like you know what? Okay, I get it. She's all right, but I don't want to talk to her. You talk to him. I don't want to talk to his son. Now, President Trump never appeared, but he appeared on my t- TV show, but he never appeared on the radio show. But, but still, there, wasn't, there was this lack of energy on the part of Romney that he didn't seem to have the hunger. I can't remember who his running mate was. Who was that? Who? Romney's. Oh, gosh. Can you, see, that's how, see, that's that's how horrible this is who that I can't this? even remember who Romney Oh, no, it was... Um, he was good though, Paul Ryan. Oh, that's oh my gosh! See, but I that's know. sad. I, it's totally I sad. I drew a complete blank too. Totally You're right, sad. It was Paul Ryan. And, and 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 but we but we were so tired of watching these people sleepwalk through these elections and just wind up losing these elections. To tell you the truth, there's no reason why Obama could not have been defeated in 2012. I mean, there there is. It, 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 it is it is beyond he was so beatable then by a strong republican or a strong conservative that i that romney should have had this and, and and i was really pretty surprised trump would have beat obama on that second run if right. he would have run the campaign that he ran he would have he would have absolutely yeah. i mean that would have been a because and, obama's first term was such a flop Right, right. And, and many people who listen to this show and who are part of the Radio Free Almond Common Sense Nation, you know what I mean, who were out there for President Trump, just don't want to do this again. In fact, a lot of us are finding ourselves in kind of a – and again, I feel bad for Josh Hawley because I think there's a certain level of, of bad timing on his part because – I honestly believe he was pushed into this. That's my gut instinct. I don't sense that he wants this at all. By donors or by the Republican Party? By the Republican Party. Okay. Um, But I just don't feel, and and again, I might be wrong, because when when Hawley was running for attorney general, he was uh, very active, very accessible, and everything else, and since that time has not been. And then Politico does the story where they had the pictures of him at the gym, and and no, I'm glad you're going to the gym. Uh, yeah, that's fine because we all do or all hope to. Uh, but this idea somehow that you're doing that instead of being and it's in the middle of the day and it's in Columbia, it's like what are you doing, dude? So to me, he just seems to be phoning this in, and 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 that's 
that's a problem. And, and for, for our people, that's a serious problem because we didn't come this far in Missouri politics where President Trump went 19 percentage points ahead of um, Hillary Clinton. We didn't come this far just to have some guy dropped out of the sky at us to run against a person we desperately want out of the U.S. Senate. And very beatable. Oh, yeah, and beatable, too. And and Jim makes a good point regarding the polling about about how for an incumbent to be tied even is a bad thing for her. But at, what, but at the very least, show us polls that put Austin Peterson up against her or show us polls that put Tony Minetti up against her or Christy Nichols or Peter Pfeiffer or Cortland Sykes. Show us some polling. I mean, but, but it's interesting how, in fact, I don't think, and, and if, if you guys are on Facebook and you guys have an access to, to correct me, please do. I don't think I've seen a poll that has any of the candidates that all together in them. Min- have you? Minetti posted one on Facebook that I actually came across. I think it was yesterday. Is it Mo Scout who did, did it? Because and, Missouri Scout. Yeah, I okay. was trying to. I was. I will try to find it. And, and if you guys have somebody says Cortland Sykes. If if you guys have that, just post the link in the comments if you can, so that way we can get that. If you ha- if you know of a poll that Jamie's talking about. Get that to us. That's why a lot of us, I was a little surprised. And again, this is because what's happened is these individuals have not been getting enough attention. The media has ignored them. We had a debate last Friday where not one member of the media showed up. I do believe there's somebody from Politico there. But not one member of the local media showed up. And to me, thank you to America First Missouri who stepped up and held this debate. But as far, as far as I'm concerned, the Republican Party, and I don't know how much money it has or anything else, I think the Missouri Republican Party has an obligation to voters to facilitate debates with all six of the candidates, and even if it means taking them on tour throughout the state, I believe that the Missouri Republican Party ought to be the ones taking the lead and facilitate because they're the Missouri Republican Party. You shouldn't be simply facilitating and, and, and promoting the candidacy of one person in the name of Josh Hawley. You ought to be out there actually creating a platform. We ought to have the Missouri Republican Party show every two weeks in Springfield yeah. or in Kansas City or in St. Louis or whatever, instead of leaving it all up to the devices of the media to cover a guy like Austin Peterson or Cortland Sykes or Tony Minetti. It seems to me to be very frustrating. And if it weren't for America First Missouri having this debate, mm. there are a lot of people who probably never would have even heard from Cortland Sykes necessarily. Because the first time I ever talked to him, and it, partly that's my fault because there's been a lot of things going on, uh, was last Friday. So I'm just saying that, that I think that we need to get you know more exposure. And I've talked to pretty much everybody, and Christy Nichols is going to be on the show eventually, I think still this week, and Peter Pfeiffer, because those are two people I haven't had on the show yet. The poll 
it's 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 not an official poll i mean it looks like a survey monkey kind of uh oh, like you know they said, uh, 373 people voted and it was basically who was most likely to support the maga you know make america great again agenda including building wall protecting and actually and i don't know manetti posted this and i guess he just posted this to show how close he is to josh holly because josh holly actually beat him on the poll, more people voted for Josh Hawley that he would support the uh, agenda. And, and I guess he was doing this to show how close he is because Austin Peterson is far behind on this one. Uh, well, but it's, and, it's, and, it's a, you know, I mean, and part of the problem is when you do polls like this, it, it's a self fulfilling prophecy right. because, because if Tony Minetti isn't getting any coverage, if Austin Peterson isn't getting any coverage, if, Cortland Sykes isn't getting any coverage. Christy Nichols, Peter Pfeiffer. If they're not getting any coverage by anybody in mainstream media even, then no wonder they don't – Josh Hawley reflexively is he- ahead of them because they haven't had, ex- in my opinion, exposure. And so when you're nobody knows who you are and they know who the other person is, that's how things roll. Which is going to be a problem when when time to vote comes around because they're going to end up splitting that vote if they both stay on that ticket. They're going to end up splitting that vote, and it would give Holly a pretty good chance at winning yeah. that. Yeah. If, if Minetti and Peterson are both on that at the same time, it's it's going to be tough for uh holly to not take that yeah right that's true and that's why i think those two took a uh, tried to do some kind of pact which i'm not quite sure i'm not quite sure that's necessarily fair uh i I think you ought to all vote and and because to the minetti voters or the austin peterson voters or the supporters you know just to just to make something based on a poll and one guy just suddenly leaves the race is kind of odd. I agree. But 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 here's the thing. And 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 if that means that both of them in the race means that Hawley gets it, well, I'd rather have things organically play out than artificially play out, and that's just the way it's going to be. Now, are there going to be people if Hawley gets the nomination who just refuse to vote for him because he is just another Mitch McConnell guy in their mind? Maybe. But but let me tell you something. People don't like to be told that, well, what do you, do you want Claire McCaskill in there then? Then you better vote for Hawley whether you like him or not. But the bottom line is, in truth, that's kind of that, the way you're going to have to go. That was the Trump deal. That's exactly yeah. – that was – people like Beck and these guys, that was their whole thing was that, you know, basically fighting for what you just said, which was – you know, you can't tell us that if we don't vote for Trump, that we're, you know, basically uh, uh, electing Hillary Clinton. And but it you were they you were. are well, and also I, I as I said before, I think that those people uh, preferred Hillary Clinton over President Trump. So they they really actually preferred them. Uh, they did. Uh, we've heard Hillary Clinton. And by the way, let me let me find my. I, I finally froze, freeze framed the uh, froze framed the uh, picture. Some would call it a screenshot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I I I we were talking about the National Review, and uh, and it was the National Review issue, and it was called against Trump, and. 
these people, I remember who they are, and nothing changes my opinion. Um, nothing changes about what they did. They, at this point in time, preferred, well, they, they might have preferred another candidate, but the against Trump thing to me was inexcusable for the National Review to do. And I'm, I'm all for your, if you want to have your opinions out there, I get it. I understand. So it was Glenn Beck, David Boaz, Brent Bozell, who runs Newsbusters. Actually, I, I, I like him. Mona Sherum, uh, Ben Dominic. I didn't know who mm-hmm. he is. Eric Erickson from Red State, who I'm not, I don't have a lot of use for. Uh, Stephen Hayward, Mark Halperin, mm-hmm. Bill Crystal. Of course. Ewall Levin, I don't know who it is. Dana Lash, Andrew McCarthy, David McIntosh, Michael Medved, Edwin Meese, Russell Moore, Michael Mokasey, Katie Pavlik, John Podhoritz, Thomas Sowell, Cal Thomas, and R.R. Reno. These, all, these individuals all have uh, their prerogative to talk yeah. the way they want to talk and, and who they want to vote for, but we remember. And you know who sent me this? Ben Murphy, who made the banner here. Yes. Who is part of America First, uh, Missouri? Who put on the debate? And believe me, Ben remembers this stuff. And Ben doesn't want to be told who to vote for in the U.S. Senate race. He didn't want to be told who to vote for for President of the United States. And Ben Murphy is still around. Yeah. Just let you know. And as are all these people, as are all these people on this uh, on Radio Free Alman as well. And it is nice to know where these people stand, because come the next election, like you said, it's always good to know a person's history and where they stand, uh, because it often paints a pretty clear picture, uh, whoever they're supporting going forward, like you mentioned, Beck. And and I know Dana did the same thing, which uh, cost them a ton of market share because America, for the first time, the conservative movement was so energized by Trump. Trump was like, I won't even compare it to Obama and liberals, but (laughs) you get it. We were energized like they were energized the first time Obama ran. And these people that didn't support, we viewed as completely disconnected. And you know what? When I came in the next morning after watching President Trump's uh, rollout of his campaign. I didn't know what my listeners, I didn't know what all of you people thought about President Trump. I wasn't making any calculation at all. And in fact, it there was a good chance it was going to hurt me to support President Trump over all these other right. guys out there. And to a large degree, the, the people who probably had the most disdain for me were Ted Cruz supporters. Uh, but but I will tell you that mine was not a calculation; it was an instinct. And, and because because if you had calculated, you would have probably not supported President Trump as a person in the media, conservative media, because if you calculated, you would have been playing by the same little playbook that you always have, and that is that I have to do this, I have to do that, not necessarily what's best for the country, but what's best for my book sales or. Right. Best for whatever I rap I do on a regular basis. So I honestly didn't know what the landscape was going to bring okay. that whole following year because I saw him and I came in and I said, 
that guy's talking a language that no other Republican candidate has ever spoken before. And in way, because I listened to the whole thing. I mean, I watched the whole thing on C-SPAN, went to a recording of it, watched the entire thing, and I said, that's that's a person who's speaking like Ronald Reagan. Yes. And and it is it and you and if you guys are out there uh, warning the other candidates says watch out for this guy cuz he's going to and everybody is like you've got to be crazy. He's never going to win. Candidacy. He really doesn't want yeah. it. He's going to quit. You're not a real conservative. We always thought that. Now you're blah blah blah. So it was all this kind of stuff. I said, well, I I I have to go with my instincts. I have to go with what I really feel. And there was no no way I could adjust my viewpoint to whatever I thought was the approved viewpoint. I just no, had my viewpoint. Even in that time, you didn't have you weren't doing what you're doing on Facebook now. I mean, you know, with live so many people commenting, you had no clue. Yeah, no, I, I did. You were waiting for the callers the next day. Well, and I, and I did get people calling me. I did people on Twitter saying, "Really, Alman, you got to be yeah. crazy. This guy's you know." But 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 eventually, people came around, and the people who come around, uh, and, and 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 keep in mind that that one of the great things about most of the people who were part of the Almond in the Morning family and now never judged people personally by their viewpoints. They were still stuck on judging the candidates by who they were, and that was an important consideration for a a lot of people. That's what I always loved about uh, our audience uh, and our people is that no matter what, even if they did disagree with you, the candidate-wise, they never... A few people made it personal, obviously, because that's kind of what people do. You're always going to find those individuals. But, but, but by and large, our people all were like, I, I, I don't hate you because you support right. Trump. I don't agree with President Trump. And kept it above board there. And I always respect that about uh, our people and the vibe of uh, the uh, almond radio culture. Do you see this? Speaking of culture... It's happening in O'Fallon. This is what happens when people state their minds, state their viewpoints. And what happens is the left invariably decides instead of debating them and instead of, of talking to them and presenting an alternative viewpoint, they want them run out on a rail. This is in O'Fallon. So at the public library... And there was an event there that was like a uh, reading event. Okay. <laughs> where they just read to kids and that kind of sure. stuff. Sure. Um, so a local conservative political group there um, is saying, and, and one of the guys is a member of the, of the school board there, said that this March uh, 24th Children's Storytime program was basically just social indoctrination. So the book the library chose was Justice Makes a Difference, the story of Miss Freedom Fighter Esquire. Okay? And there are a couple people who took issue. The, 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 The book itself, if you summarize the book, it says, through conversation with their grandma and their shared love of books, Justice, what's her name? learns about important men and women throughout history who have changed the world. Now, keep in mind, you think, oh, okay, so what? Thomas Jefferson? Or right. Abe Lincoln. Thomas Edison. Yeah. 
you know, um, Martin Luther King. Right. You know, people like that. No, it was uh, Ella Baker, Shirley Chisholm, Charles Hamilton Houston, Dr. Wangari Matai, and Paul Robeson, Ida Wells. Anyway, Justin learns how each leader was a champion for advancing justice and improving the world. And she dreams of becoming a change maker, too. Miss Freedom Fighter Esquire, a superhero with a law degree and an afro. That's what it says? Yeah, yeah. That's not what I said. Okay. Don't get me into trouble. I would, <laughs> I'm clarifying. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, the, uh, the book's author is a civil rights attorney and speaker. And on her own blog, she says her book is based on her own experiences and dedicated to her grandmother. And now, to me... That's kind of a, I mean, it's, it's, it's an all right book. You know, I, it wouldn't, you, would, you wouldn't have, I'm not quite sure a book, the library would have chosen a book uh, that was about a white kid learning about all the great leaders. <laughs> yeah. it, it wouldn't happen that way. But that's okay because we are a multicultural Absolutely. country yep. and a young girl. I mean, and, 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 and it could be an inspiration to some people. So I, I get all that. But whether or not this is appropriate for an age group of this level, which is five and up, to be invited into this social justice category that we're seeing played out in a variety of ways, usually in ways that actually crush speech, not promote it. Because right now, the social justice warriors in our country are not the Shirley Chisholms or the Ida Wells or whatever they are. They're the hacks, the Antifas, the people out there who uh, punch Trump supporters while waiting in line to go to a rally or who go to college campuses and thwart speakers from speaking. And so social justice has a a different kind of take now than it did when, for instance, Martin Luther King was around. Because Martin Luther King sure. is, is, not, is not a hero, in my opinion, to a lot of social justice warriors, because Martin Luther King was more about individual empowerment. And social justice warriors, for the most part, many of them, they're not about individual empowerment. They're about taking power from certain segments of society and either handing it over to a specialized group of people or just simply being content with taking it yes. from somebody Destruction else. Destruction yes. of anything that stands in their way. Exactly. So so Martin Luther King, and I, of course I can't speak for him. I'm not one of those people who say that Martin Luther King would have been a Republican. It's like I, I, I don't know, and I wouldn't – all I know is based on what he, how he spoke – he was a very practical individual and certainly a deeply religious person. And certainly, if anybody believed in the power of the individual, it was Jesus Christ himself. Yes. I mean, that was, yes. that was, I mean it was all about empowerment. It was all about teaching the man to fish. You yes. go on down the line where he, and again, keeping in mind that that Jesus's teachings nor Martin Luther King's teachings weren't about self-absorption. Right. Uh, they, they were about utilizing your individual power to, help. to do good yep. in the world. That's kind of what you're, and, and, and utilize your free will. That is a God given thing 
to do good things. So yes. that's, you know, the social justice. So these people have, I'm sorry, very little in common with with those individuals who uh, normally we'd associate with civil rights and that kind of just stuff. Just the conversation that we've had about this book now, I'm picturing my five-year-old son, like his eyes would be glazed over. He'd be like, dad, when can we just play with army men? You know, <laughs> I mean, this is that I'm just picturing him sitting at this library. Like he'd look at me like, dad, what have you brought me to? <laughs> yeah. Because what they're doing is that there's children five and up, and they were going to explore the ideas of justice and social responsibility. Now, what does that mean? Now, because because I guarantee you they weren't being taught to fight for justice for, for instance, the unborn. Oh, like, you know, that wouldn't have been not. part of that. I, so so you so, so we already know that was not part of the social responsibility aspect of that. No, right? because they would have put somebody you know, like somebody from live action in there who's done, you know, extraordinary things or uh, Chad Guile's daughter who led the movement of exposing Planned Parenthood, apparently, you know, that he informed us about. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm one that does believe sometimes that conservatives can be snowflakes themselves. I yeah. get that. So I'm I'm really not sure that we need to troll the library and and disdain this book itself. But I do believe that the effort ought to be made to ask the library, okay, so are you going to have a book that teaches about the foundational principles of the Constitution? Which I think, if you're going to talk about social responsibility and think a five-year-old can understand that, certainly they can understand the Constitution or some of its principles about freedom and everything else. So what we, we do is our reaction here, Ryan, as conservatives, is not to say defund the public library, ban the book, close down these sessions. Right. It's about asking them, great, that was good. You know what? Next month, can we try... This book? Right. And, and, and that's how, but they would never do it, you know. So now what happened is the member of the school board decided that he was going to say, hey, um, I, I don't like this and we need to figure out a different avenue. And now um, basically this guy, they're trying to run this guy out on a rail because of, of his viewpoints on, on this particular book and what's going on there. But I do believe that if you are a and, – and social responsibility – like, we all have different views of social responsibility. Sure. Like, for instance, I believe that it's socially responsible to push for lower taxation. I think that's a socially responsible pursuit. I think it's a socially responsible to push to – unsuffocate businesses from the suffocating regulations because that means that ultimately these businesses start hiring people. That means this, these businesses ultimately start um, giving people incomes. Right. And what could be more socially responsible than everybody being a stakeholder in the economy? I could make the argument all day long. But, so, but, but right now you can, it's clear that the purpose of this is to basically, well, in my opinion, indoctrinate. But that's fine. You, you had your month to do that. Next month, we want we would like this book in there since our taxes fund the public library there. But that's not what they want. No. They want this guy out. 
They want this conservative group out. They want them to shut up. They want resignations. They want all this kind of stuff Be for merely calling this indoctrination, which I guess is akin when you use the word indoctrinate, you might as well be calling you. You might, you might as well be calling somebody a, a racial slur or something. Oh, you know, it's definitely. like no, that's not yeah. that's not the case. Speaking of also indoctrination, let's look at this. We've got um, the Me Too movement now going into Spotify. And so Spotify has decided that they are going to, if you if you use the service, they've already instituted a new policy where they're automatically removing the music of artists oh my accused God. of sexual harassment or abuse. Oh, I see R. Kelly's being targeted. R. Kelly. Yes. Of course, isn't R. Kelly the guy who peed on people and stuff? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, but 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 again. It's Spotify's prerogative, I guess, yeah. to do that, right? They're a private company, and they can they can give you whatever they want to give you, right? Uh, I guess is that correct? They're not. Yeah, public. they're private. They're public. And, yep. So, uh, but the interesting thing is that they're doing it based on accusations and not convictions, which I find correct. fairly fairly interesting. So, uh, it's part of the whole hashtag Me Too movement, and they have a policy that's called hate content and hateful conduct public policy so it's interesting that because we've all been i've been recently subjected to this thing of that that is called hate or or being hateful or whatever and i'll go back to well everybody has a different viewpoint of what hate is absolutely and what hate is not to me, when you seize people's assets in the form of their incomes, that's a hateful act. <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> I, 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 I believe it's a hateful act to deny people choice when it comes to choosing schools. I think that's hateful. I think it's hateful to force a company to go through a variety of different kinds of machinations uh, it, just to dig a ditch and going through the like, like that's yeah. hateful. So, so we all have our definitions oh, of, yeah. of what hate is. And so that's why whenever somebody comes up with a policy about hate, uh, you got to watch out because people who are, it's Absolutely. kind of like how the fascists always operate. They're the ones who will define what social justice is, they're the ones who will define what hate is, yep. and and they're all a bunch of statist fascists. Oh, I mean, it, we saw it with the colleges when, uh, like, somebody like Milo Yiannopoulos uh, wanted to come in and speak, and he was hate speech, yet they have these ultra-left uh, folks come in, no problem, not a word <laughs> yeah, said. Of course. Well, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and, and again, I'm for, like, like for instance, even with that book, I would not be for and, and and conservatives sometimes make a miscalculation when they want to simply steer something in a certain direction instead of push for the inclusion of their direction into the into the movement and and it's hard to do because we're always shut out of, yeah. uh, of that. We're always kind of like denied that kind of access and that kind of thing. So oftentimes we have to fight for a certain thing and, and, and certain freedoms and those kinds of things. I get that. Like, for instance, you know, 
the founding fathers didn't decide, well, you know, uh, maybe if we just, we just work within the British crown, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll work things out and they won't quarter troops in our houses and they won't tax the stamps. And maybe if we just do that, we can do that. No, ultimately they had to have a revolution. Now keep in mind, that's also the same viewpoint. Like if I were a left winger, that's the same viewpoint. And I'm more than happy to go ahead and have you attempt that as long as you allow us to attempt to overthrow you, because that's ultimately what we'll do as well. So I'm all for revolutions, but I'm not for revolutions only for certain people. You know what I'm saying? I do. So here's another example of ultimately what I would consider to be certain left-wing statist intolerance. MSNBC had a show where they grilled this Democratic Pennsylvania congressional candidate, John Morganelli, on his policy positions. There's a Democrat they're interviewing, right? Okay. This correspondent is Jacob Sobroff, all right? And the interview came just a little bit after a report in which the reporter, this guy, the same guy, was campaigning door-to-door following him this, this, with this, this, this um, John Morganelli's more liberal primary opponent. So this is a more conservative Democratic congressional candidate who's now being interviewed right after this same reporter was doing kind of this, this glowing story about this guy's more liberal opponent. But this, here's how the thing went down. 30- Many accounts, you are the front runner for the uh, congressional seat here in the Democratic primary. But your critics say you're too conservative. They say you're conservative on immigration, you're conservative on abortion, you're pro-life. Uh, and you reached out to the Trump administration asking for a position in the transition on Twitter uh, after he was elected. So why are you the Democrat that can win in November? Greg Edwards, who we just met in the piece, is an unabashed progressive. Are you a progressive, sir? No, I would not call myself a progressive. I'm a moderate Democrat. And I'm reaching out to the middle because I believe that's how we solve problems. Keep in mind, this is in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Okay. And that's Trump land. So there's not going to be a progressive Democrat who is going to do very well in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, or in Altoona, or any of those places where President Trump actually bothered to go and Hillary Clinton didn't. But that's how... This is the, he's a Democrat, right. and yet because he's pro-life, because he is a person who is interested in, in trying to steer in a certain direction our immigration policy to be more pro-American as opposed to pro-illegal immigration, he's being raked over the coals by these folks over at MSNBC, and he's a Democrat. So these guys who are the left wing, they'll, they'll even eat their own if need be. Oh, 100%. They don't want you involved on their side if you're – they don't want the D next to your name. Right. And the only way to actually pursue some of this stuff is just simply – like I said yesterday with the wake of uh, the Greitens event where he – where they dropped the charges. The only way to truly battle these people is to, is to pursue them. I mean I'm talking about even if they start to retreat, chase them down the road. And that's what's happening, for instance, with Eric Wright. And I'm not, I'm not talking about physical violence, people, okay? <laughs> now we have to preface I mean, that. I'm not, you know, I'm, not, I'm not talking about chasing after someone and killing them or doing whatever. But I'm talking about Legally, following up. Yeah. And that's why it was so great 
even after we talked about it that very day, why it was so great yesterday to see in the afternoon the Greitens defense team decide they're going to go and and basically pursue not only Kim Gardner, but also this private investigator on criminal charges. Report them to the police, and then the police conduct an investigation. And you know the chief is more than happy to after he was basically thrown under the bus by Kim Gardner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, it's funny when tables turn, you know. It's, it's more than, yeah, it's satisfying. So this whole thing with this guy, uh, Tisby, this, this private investigator, was he claimed under oath, by the way, that he wasn't taking any notes in his interviews. And at one point, there was an interview that was done where apparently the camera didn't work. And so, for whatever reason, they didn't they didn't know how to operate, or the camera didn't work, whatever. And they said, "Well, did you take notes?" And he goes, "No, we never take notes during these interviews." Well, it turns out that they looked at the video, and I'm looking at the video right now, or at least screen grabs of it, that show him writing something down on a notepad. Yeah. These people were so reckless and so mm. beyond the pale when it came to how they conducted this investigation that it's so nice and rewarding to to be able to see the defense team actually pursuing this and then ultimately uh, the the police investigating this. I don't know whether what's going to come out of this, but the reality is this was such a corrupt investigation and needs to be handled as such, and I'm glad the police are involved. And I noticed the Post isn't using the Greitens <laughs> mugshot anymore. No, that's done. Now we'll see what picture they have to come up with the prosecuting attorney. Yes, because <laughs> ultimately what's going to happen is in my in my opinion that uh, there's there will be there will be perjury charges at least in my opinion uh, uh, when it comes to the private investigator, but I don't know how this is going to work out. All right, so uh, Facebook is slamming yes. and don't forget that tomorrow right here at Gaslight is going to be our happy hour. And it's going to be from 4 to 7. And we're going to have a bunch of uh, Radio Free Almond gear here. Where JB is putting together some particular drink specials for you Radio Free Almond folks. And also we're going to have some food, I think, available. And then we're also going to have a tour of the studio. So the studio will be set up much the way it is in the morning. <laughs> And we'll have uh, the wax figures of ourselves standing there. What's like you would and <laughs> who's working on going, those for us? I don't know. <laughs> Does anybody know, by the way, a uh, breathable fabric photograph joint where I could get a photograph put on breathable fabric? Is there any way anybody out there who can help me with that? All right. And what else we got regarding um, regarding How to Stitcher? Yes. Stitch, stitch it. <laughs> All right. I mean, dude, I know you're you're trying to keep up. No, you are. So just uh, yesterday uh, and today, you are now available for podcast on both iTunes. If you have an Apple or an iPhone uh, or you can go to Stitcher. If you have an Android, like a Samsung Galaxy or something like that, you can go to Stitcher, download that. And now you can get the radio free almond podcast so in case you miss a show or and 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 i see comments like this all the time people catch the first hour they miss the second hour they miss the you know 
you can listen to the show in its entirety. You can fast forward. You can go to any spot you want in the show. So that's through iTunes and Stitcher. And then I think in the next 24 hours, you will actually be able to download the Radio Free Almond app from both the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store that you will be able to always carry around the live audio stream. So even if you can't pull up Facebook uh, and can't watch the live stream on Facebook, you can always listen to the audio right through the RFA app. Okay, great. Which now, is awesome. But 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 you also point out, though, that ultimately we're going to... Ha- so right now on Android, you can get the app, right? You can. Okay. Yes. Well, That's uh, breaking. Am I supposed to say that? <laughs> You can. No, you can. If you have Android right now, you can go to the Google Play Store. Oh, don't you put her in. No, she's yeah. gonna, she's announcing. She announced. I, I just, I saw him. North Korea. North Korea. Tomorrow, it'll be available for the iPhone, okay. I think. And the reason why this is going to be so important is it's it's going to have the Radio Free Almond uh, logo there. Yep. And then all you're going to do is have it on your phone at all times and just, boom, punch it, and you're in. And you're in. It'll probably give you push notifications to let you know when Jamie goes live. Uh, and then not only that, as this channel gets populated... And then Radio Free Almond Network gets populated with more shows. That is your ticket to be able to put that on in the beginning of the day and listen to Radio Free Almond Network all day, all night, uh, seven days a week. They'll be programming on there. Now, what do you think about the whole idea that even though there are other really ultimately big radio stations out there, how many radio stations have their own app? Oh, no. most of them make you do like tune in. Uh, so it's a, it's a, it's a separate app. Um, so most of them, you're still listening to a separate app, not the actual radio stations app. And, and let me, let me say too, cause I, I think a lot of people are like, well, Jamie, when are you going to get, what about like regular radio? Come on. Like what about regular radio? Just understand. And I'm not, and this isn't a knock against a, a channel dial, but you guys have to understand we are reaching probably 10 times, actually in one case, about 70 times what these channels are able to reach as far as viewers and listeners. I, you know, I'm not trying to uh, negate and call you viewers and listeners. You're a part of a, of a community of Radio Free Almond, but uh, it is so much bigger. This is yes. so much bigger. Yeah. Don't limit Jamie to a radio station. That is like so 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the other thing, too, is, is that ultimately, because we are in the process, I, I have some legal obstacles to get past in terms of getting some advertisers on. And right now we are currently in negotiations with a bunch of other people who would be brand new advertisers to the almond brand and so we're working on that but even still even after that happens it's not like we're preparing 
for ultimately to just simply be a mimic of regular radio. So, for instance, one of the great things that people that people like about the show and, and about Radio Free Almond is that we have a lot of time. Like, we are able to talk, flesh things out, have some fun. We're not having up against a break. You're not having eight minutes of just back-to-back people who are selling this, selling that. And again, we are certainly going to give our people who advertise and sponsor the show prominent positions in yes. the radio broadcast. But also keep in mind that I will tell you that if I'm an advertiser, I don't want to be in the middle of eight commercials. No. Now, now, how they these guys have been tricked into believing that actually is effective because what happens is a lot of people – They'll just punch out. Yeah. They'll, they'll go over to some other place, and it's not like we're gonna we're going to sneakily infuse the ads. We're just gonna do things more deliberately and more with attention based on infusing our sponsorships and our advertisers into the product, everything else, but not necessarily just stopping down, leaving for ten minutes, and then coming back. It's not going to work that way, but we still be will be giving our advertisers the value that they want, our sponsors the value that they want, our people, our friends the value that they want. Yes. But we want to give you the experience that you want at the same time because to me, it's all about the experience, which is why we continue to upgrade yep. our Facebook camera and our Facebook production because we want you to have more of a better experience in listening to the show, watching the show, seeing us, seeing, hearing everything else. So that's why we're focused on that. So we're focused on making sure your experience is awesome. And then we'll also make sure on our end that our, um, uh, that, 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 that our advertisers have a fantastic experience as well at the same time. And everybody is already going. I'm seeing the comments. Everybody's going to Google Play Store and downloading the Radio Free Almond app. So I hope you enjoy that. Uh, And it is exciting. It's it's huge. I mean, that is super exciting. We've worked on this for so long. I say so long, (laughs) a month. Um, But it is really exciting. So, I, but we were going to ro- roll it out at the same time, right? I didn't mean to. That's all right. Jack up your plan. There, no, but. hey, listen, you you own the network. I know. You do I whatever want, you want to do. I know, but just want to take your <laughs> take your advice. All right, and finally, we leave you with this. Uh, this is a this is a good indication when we talked earlier about uh, oppression, and about there are a variety of different uh, views of hate and oppression and those kinds of things that we see. And some of us just have a different view of what it is. But listen to this. So Starbucks finally is seemingly getting it when it comes to and Amazon as well. Because these guys otherwise always love to promote these liberal candidates and some of these liberal theologies and those kinds of things. Until, of course, like a city like Seattle decides that they want to generate an additional $47 million from companies working in Seattle. And this is payback for the fact that Amazon and Starbucks and other companies are benefiting greatly from the corporate tax cuts. So what happens is the liberal legislators in cities and states have decided, well, we don't we're going to take this opportunity after they have been given these great tax breaks we're going to take this opportunity to step in and be thieves as well 
because while the government starts to reduce its thievery, the federal government does, local governments then will start to increase theirs based on their own liberal left-wing weirdness, which is they just don't think you need that much money. So Starbucks and Amazon, who make more than $20 million in annual revenue, fall into the category of the targeted companies by the Seattle City Hall. So the tax plan, when signed into law, will take this money and they're going to pay for homeless services and affordable housing projects. Now, to me, and John Kelly, who's the senior vice president, said this bill, they want to keep spending in Seattle here without reforming and without any accountability. And basically, they just don't want to do anything real. And... What they're saying is we, as Starbucks and Amazon, when left to our own devices, could probably help more people, more homeless people, and we could, you wouldn't need to pay for someone else's housing if you just allow us to utilize the money that we're allowed to keep to hire people and, and create more economic stakeholders. That's really their point here. And so, but what happens is these left-wing runamuckers there in Seattle have decided that, you know what, we're now going to be the ones to swoop in and take your money as the federal government decides it, it's not going to. That's that's the lives we live in. These are the same people, by the way, that are the activists for you getting taxed more. Exactly. Yeah, and, and, the and, irony here. Right, exactly. Well, and hopefully, eventually, these guys will start to get it. Jeff Bezos and the other guy, maybe, maybe they'll start to get it after a while. That You know what? Stop promoting this progressive economic agenda in the formulation of promoting politicians who are instituting it. Because guess what you're going to find? You're going to find individuals like the city council in Seattle emboldened to come in because this would never have happened without the federal tax cut. They would never. And, and there's more of this coming in cities all over the place. Wait till St. Louis decides they're going to, oh, yeah, that's right. So you have more money now. Can we have it? That's how it's going to work. That's your, that's your liberal progressive agenda playing out right there. Jamie? Ryan? Good show, buddy. Yeah, let me find my uh, let me find my David Byrne here. There we go. Long, good show, man. Glad have we had talent on. on. We had a lot going on, dude. I know. Genevieve Wood's going to be on tomorrow. Henry Davis is going to join us on Monday. Cool. Yeah, he's going to be back in the fold. And in kind of some talks with uh, Dan Bojingo. I like to call him Bojingo because I'm Bojingo. We're going to get him on with us. And yeah, we're going to have uh, Christy Nichols on who was at the debate on Friday. I want everybody to hear from everybody. Yeah. And then eventually Peter Pfeiffer. Yep. Too. We're working with them too to get them on so that we can cover all five of the candidates who all deserve to be heard. You all 
deserve not to have the outcome of this election dictated by anybody but you. Check it out. RadioFreeAlmond.com. Have a great rest of your day. Everybody.